That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Parvati readjusted her bangles, beaming. She and Harry said, see you in a minute, to Ron and Padma, and walked forward, the chattering crowd parting to let them through. Professor McGonagall, who was wearing dress robes of red tartan and had arranged a rather ugly wreath of thistles around the brim of her hat, told them to wait on one side of the doors while everyone else went inside. They were to enter the Great Hall in procession when the rest of the students had sat down. Fleur Delacour and Roger Davies stationed themselves nearest the doors. Davies looked so stunned by his good fortune in having Fleur for a partner that he could hardly take his eyes off her. Cedric and Cho were close to Harry, too. He looked away from them so he wouldn't have to talk to them. His eyes fell instead on the girl next to Crumb. His jaw dropped. It was Hermione. But she didn't look like Hermione at all. She had done something with her hair. It was no longer bushy, but sleek and shiny, and twisted up into an elegant knot at the back of her head. She was wearing robes made of a floaty, periwinkle blue material, and she was holding herself differently somehow. Or maybe it was merely the absence of the 20 or so books she usually had slung over her back. She was also smiling, rather nervously, it was true, but the reduction in the size of her front teeth was more noticeable than ever. Harry couldn't understand how he hadn't spotted it before. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the Restricted Section. It's a show in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss the ways that the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we're talking about this week. Chapter 23. The Yule Ball. Welcome to the shit show. It's the Yule Ball motherfuckers and Ron and Harry do everything in their power to make sure they have an absolutely miserable time and bring as many people down with them as possible. We learn that Snape and Karkarov are friends, Hagrid is a half giant, and Barty Crouch is unwell. There's some snogging in the bushes and a blazing row in the common room. Cheers. I'm drinking red wine today because it felt Christmassy. And you too, Mary Payton. I have tea and wa- water flavoring. That is. Wait. Did you say you have water flavoring? Yes. Water flavoring that's it's- tea flavored. It's sweet tea flavored. <laughs> Just because. Oh, oh it's like oh. a spritz yes, of tea. Yes, sweet tea. I was like, your nah. tea tastes like water. No. I think you added something that is. I added water, water flavoring. flavoring. <laughs> tea flavored water flavoring. Okay, I understand now. Yikes. Okay. I need to drink more water. That's the you only way th- I can do it. You should throw some whiskey in there, and that's a hot toddy. Oh, I don't even like whiskey. Oh, but in a hot... I don't either, but in a hot toddy. <laughs> Come on. I think you just like saying that. Uh, hot toddy really does feel like it's going to cure anything you've got going on. Yeah, any ailment. Mm-hmm. You'll just be resurrected. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to start now. Welcome to the restricted section where you should really ask me to the ball before someone else does and not as a last resort. I personally am pretty turned on right now because I'm joined today by my stimulating friend, Mary Payton. Say hello to the listeners, Mary Payton. Uh, (laughs) How do I say hello after that? Um, Wow, that was the best intro you've ever given me. Thank you so much. I will never forget that. Hello, listeners. (laughs) 
We're glad you're here. And welcome, welcome, welcome also to our returning guest and the head witch in charge, Fauna from Cats, Tea, and Witchcraft. Say hello to the listeners, Fauna. Hello, everybody. Thank you for not giving me an as awkward introduction (laughs) as you gave Mary Payton. It did match the level of awkwardness of this chapter for sure. A lot of conversations with Mary Payton are just like dares, like dares back and forth. And I feel like I feel like just calling someone sexy right to their face is almost like a dare. It's so true. It's a lot of um, a lot of trying stuff and then taking it back immediately. Like, oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry dude. That was weird. That was weird. Sorry. <laughs> a dare and an apology. Sounded and better a dare in the head. And an apology. <laughs> um, if you don't remember, Fauna uh, also joined us for Prisoner of Azkaban, Chapter Six, Part One. That was Talons and Tea Leaves, but we only invited Fauna on for the Tea Leaves bit because that was. That was written as a two-parter. Like, that chapter should have been two chapters because they were completely unrelated halves. Yeah. So, Fauna, how have you been since we last saw you? Um, I've been great. Uh, my podcast has been doing really good. Just yeah. hit over 250,000 um, listens and everything over Yo, the past, like, sex. year and a half and everything. That's awesome. So, for Congrats. not using I, – I don't do any sort of promotions. Nothing's paid. It's full hobby and – I want to keep it like that as long as possible because once you kind of start turning something into work, for me, that's when I start to struggle with it. Um, So I want to keep this as a hobby, but something also that's fun for everyone else because that's how I get more of my exposure to the community through that. Aw. Yeah, and if you're not following Cat's Tea and Witchcraft on Twitter and Instagram, but like particularly Twitter, I definitely would because there's some good stuff there. Oh, yeah. The witch community on Twitter is definitely different than it is on other platforms. It's a little more intense, but not in a way that Facebook groups are where it's like everyone just says everything's a closed practice or everything is like all rainbows and sunshine and everything, which it's not. So Twitter is a little more, at least the interaction I get is you will get like real time comments from authors, Mm -hmm. from professional witches. I wouldn't call myself professional, but... But for those who do readings who are psychic, mediums, all of the above, like do professionally, do writings, do speaking portions Mm -hmm. and travel and stuff, um, you get a lot of real-time interaction with them and comments. And it's easier to share those and have that better, like, dialogue with each other. And that's off TikTok and off Instagram and Facebook because the metaverse is all the same thing at this point. So... yep. Okay, I have a quick question. Yes. So, witches on TikTok, that's called witch talk. Yes. Are are witches on Twitter called witchers? I don't think so. Okay, um that, that's kind of funny. I would not They might want to consider that. Do you, do you mind bringing that to the community as an option for us? <laughs> you tweet it and I'll share it. <laughs> and so we okay. can push the episode. Okay, I will tweet that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone look out for that tweet to see if I get any likes for it. <laughs> so, let's get into the chapter. Um I'm pretty excited about this one because it is chapter 23 of Goblet of Fire. The Yule Ball. Merry Christmas, everyone. The juiciest of the chapters. It's pr- uh, definitely the juiciest of the chapters in this book. The most teenage yeah. angsty yeah. where I could literally feel the emotions. We're recording this. Uh, it's the beginning of February right now. So um, mm-hmm. Christmas is pretty much like the last thing we want to be talking about. But if we're going to be doing like any anything Christmassy, I'm glad it's the Yule Ball. Because this barely counts as Christmas. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I still wish I had something of the sort in my prom and dances were anything like this at all, even no matter how awkward this chapter was. A lot of the juicy trauma from, like, middle school dances. and Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, a, a classy dance like this could have been a game changer for me. If they didn't want us to bump and grind, they shouldn't have had such trashy dances. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep. The, uh, so... Uh, Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about the dances in school. They were awful. They were great, but they were awful. That's exactly how I would describe them. Um, did you go, so you went to your high school dances fun on Mary Payton. Did you go to yours? I did, yeah. I went to a nerd. You went to Catholic school though, right? Well, I went no, I went to Catholic school until um through middle school. Oh, okay. And for high school I went to a nerdy high school. So I went to Literally all of them. It was nerd. It was You took away the Catholic but kept the nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> so were the dances any different or similar to like a, what a normal public school would be like? I would say that they were, they seemed similar because it's a technically a public but nerdy high school. Yeah. Okay. Like a magnet school? I would say, yeah. I would say I gotcha. the difference to me was that I was around people that were more like me. So I was more mm-hmm. like actually asked to these dances. I so see. I went to all of them. Never got crazy. asked to dances. Crazy. I always had boyfriends and they always hated themselves and they would never dance with me. Man. That sounds like teenage boys. <laughs> but, but a lot of them ended up to be gay. That's the thing. And so like, I can't hold it against them <laughs> that they were uncomfortable. <laughs> those were all the best high school dates though, were for me at least going to those dances with the guys who eventually ended up being gay. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. There really weren't a lot at my school except for the handful that we knew there. I could literally probably count them on my hands. Cause I went to such a small school. Oh, Everyone yeah. knew even if they hadn't like come out yet. Right. To this very day, I think, actually, I have the most fun clubbing with my gay friends. They have the best bars. I could definitely see that now. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you all right now that I have, like, an inordinate, an, an inordinate, wait, what? An inordinate, <laughs> an inordinate, <laughs> That's so hard. How much wine have you drinking already? Really not that much. That's you do it now. Say you have uh, you know, an inordinate amount of food. Say it. Me? In anyone. Inordinate? No, but you have to take your you have to be like, I have an inordinate. <laughs> I have an inordinate. Okay, well great. Mary Payton, you try. I don't think I you could kind of nailed it, so Okay. Barely. I I have an inordinate number of like math and grammar complaints in this chapter so we're taking it back to primary school and i'm gonna bring them up as we go along oh my gosh i i usually i'm like usually i'm like this is fine this makes sense like uh, like don't look too close if you know if there are some weird grammar choices in this series, and definitely the math is, like, canonically off. But, like, this chapter in particular, I'm like, you absolutely have to get it together. So there, there's, like, one week of break before the ball, mm-hmm. uh, before Christmas. We get, like, a little montage. Um, all of the Gryffindors are, like, pranking each other with canary creams, and they keep bursting into canary. And so they all become extremely wary of accepting food from each other. <laughs> Um, yeah. So they don't get pranked. It, it would be honestly a very exciting time 
to be there. <laughs> Never know. It's a very like uh like high school throwback type of shenanigans. Like I'm not this fun anymore. But like in high school, my friends and I used to walk around the mall drawing question marks on all the signs, so everything what? was like a question. Oh yeah, it'd be like restaurant. Oh, I don't know. Is it a fucking restaurant? Tell somebody tell me. Old Navy for real. Old Navy. Yeah, um, I can see you and your friends doing that. You guys weren't delinquents, but you were a little <laughs> bit of delinquents. You, so you were as a, just badly editing. <laughs> as one of my beloved middle school boyfriends who is gay once said, I'm not a goody goody. I'm just not a baddie baddie. <laughs> so, uh, you know, well, the snow is falling thickly on the grounds and Hagrid's hut looked like a gingerbread house oh, i was I gonna say loved hut. oh that just that just sounds like the dream of what you would want christmas or some sort of old school or like oxford looking thing with just like beautiful snow and everything yeah but i would love to look out the window from the castle and see that without having they were talking about how the Durmstrang and the Bobaton students have to like walk trenches through the snow i ain't doing that <laughs> nope I hate the snow. And it made me think about the first person. Like, I feel like Durmstrang, they'd be all about it. They're fine. Yeah. And they have, like, a guy, like, the biggest guy. They're like, go walk up to the castle and make the way for They probably all want to be that first guy. They like. Oh, yeah, they fight for it. But Bobaton, they're all in their silk pajamas. Their silk pajamas. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't even like the food, nonetheless. They liked the snow. Yeah, they're all t- super thin because they haven't been eating. Who were, who was the tiny little delicate thing that had to be the first one to make a... T- <laughs> I think maybe Hagrid did it for them. Oh. Maybe. He is a softie. If they didn't have brooms to get over the snow. He's a softie. He likes the headmistress. And they're right. They're camping like right by his hut. Or maybe Madame Madison did it. Possibly, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Hagrid yeah. would definitely do that. She wears, like, pantyhose and pumps. Mm-hmm, true, true. Pumps She's classy. That, mm, um, pumps in the grass? Like, <laughs> don't do it. Don't. Has to be wedge. Graduation weddings cannot be heels. Yeah, wedges are die because you fell down because your heels weren't you sink. <laughs> sinked into the grass yeah it's like like you're already walking on your toes so much but you have to like really commit if you're wearing pumps in the grass mm-hmm. Ugh. anyway I always, I always look see models trauma. like out by the river bank in like stilettos and i'm like how are you doing this i already have to like pretend i know how to walk when i'm wearing stilettos or anything i wouldn't even it. try so in the lawn yeah yeah i don't really fuck with that anymore in high school i was like but what if i can get like fucked in stilettos and then i'll be the hottest girl who ever went to school um i remember one of my first weekends at college my older sister came up to visit me and she is a a big personality um, and very much an older sister and she we were going out she's going out with us and we were getting ready and i was putting on flats like that i thought were really cute and she was like yeah "Mm -hmm." um what are you are you wearing flats and i was like yeah and she was like you don't have heels to wear and i was like no and she's like oh then do you already have a boyfriend <laughs> what a bitch. i was like oh no you know i don't have a boyfriend she's like then wear heels <laughs> fucking sisters dude also fuck the patriarchy um you're like my friend barbara my friend barbara was always to be caught everywhere in college wearing her patent leather black uh flats yes they just make sense. 
but they yeah, they're professional, practical. cute, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Barbara knew what's up. Yeah, she lives in Alaska now. She only wears hiking boots. <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah, she w- went more for practicality. So good for Barbara. She's living her best life. She has a dog. She has a cat. She lives in Alaska. <laughs> That's the way to do it. <laughs> okay, so we're still in the montage. Ron keeps like surprise asking Hermione who she's going to the fall with because he's literally completely obsessed with the fact that she might be going with someone else and he's hoping to catch her off guard so she'll just reflexively answer. Okay, would this tactic work on you, Fauna? No. If I was in Hermione's place, but even now, if I didn't want someone to know, I'd be like, fuck off. Um, But reading and knowing how Ron can be sometimes, this just Mm. made me like reading back through everything with Ron. It's just like, I've never been a fan of Ron because of all his little shit shows. Yeah. And this is... His shit shows. They like belong to him. Like, I would not be friends with him with how much shit and drama he causes for no yeah. particular reason. Um, but I don't think it would. This would probably be, like, a last straw for me. You've been dealing yeah. with this asshole for three going on four years. And then all of a sudden he's like, does he like you? Does he not like you? Like, yeah. besides the fact that everyone thinks that they're supposed to like you when reading the book. Like, this is the idea of should they really have been together kind of thing, even though... Now that we know what actually happened, but reading the book now, it's just like, what, literally besides Harry being a dumb boy and boys keep friends even when they're bad friends, Hermione would have dumped both of them with how I definitely he think Hermione would have been out and, well, okay, we can get to it. I think that Hermione would have heard how they these boys treated their dates too, and I think she would have yeah. been fucking mad about that. But exactly. let's get there. So eventually Ron notices that Hermione has reduced the size of her teeth. Um, As a reminder, a couple chapters back, she got hit with like a jinx um, that made her teeth grow. And Professor Snape said, I see no difference. And so she uh, like let Madame Pomfrey reduce their size back and just like let her do it a little extra. So she like used to have buck teeth, but now she has like cute normal teeth, I guess. I love this. Mm -hmm. I mean, good for her. Do whatever you want. If yeah. you have magic and you don't have to get fillers or things reduced or go through braces, even though her parents are dentists. I know. Like, well, dentists don't do braces, but. Orthodontists. I wonder, like, how bad were her teeth if she needed braces? Like, were they really so bad? Well, how we perceive her from the movies versus how, like, she's described Ugh. Yeah, in the, the most beautiful woman. Are very different. Yeah. And. They probably didn't give her those in the movies because imagine having an 11-year-old girl say, hey, you're going to play this character, but we're going to make you look so bad. Imagine how that would have been for a... They did do it for a couple others, but imagine... They did it for Neville, and eventually he was like, I'm not wearing these anymore because I'm 14 and there's girls on the set. Like, And imagine a little (laughs) girl having that happen. And she's the cutest little girl. You just wouldn't do that to her because girls are supposed to be beautiful. That or just destroying her self-esteem before the first movie is up. <laughs> Honestly, that's my favorite part of Haley's favorite movie, Little Miss Sunshine, is that the main character is this girl who's like chubby, ridiculous, and like fucking weird. Like, I love that bitch. That movie is so okay. crazy. Yeah. So Pigwidgeon responds. No. <laughs> yeah. He re- he responds to being sent out for a response by returning with a response. Technically, um, response. 
Yeah, technically, this is a response um, from Sirius Black. He Pigwidgeon is like flying around showing off for some girls, which embarrasses Ron very much because he has no idea how to show off for girls. He's already angry as it is. Pigwidgeon is like, I'm trying to teach you right now, Bron. <laughs> Pigwidgeon is like, I could get so many girls to look at you. <laughs> and they were. They were like, oh, it's so little. It's so cute. Yeah, and Ron's like, I'm going to commit animal abuse in front of you. <laughs> to stop this from happening. You're gonna be horrified. But like in his defense, like Bitches he, love puppies and owls. It's <laughs> puppies and owls. Can't confirm. Can't confirm. <laughs> but he like grabs Pigwidgeon to stop Pigwidgeon from flitting and like I get it. Have I ever held my cat close as a punishment before? Yes. Yes, I have. That's a really little good. else upsets them so much. That's a really way to teach your cats that you holding them is a punishment. No, great <laughs> no, no, they did that. That's beyond my control. <laughs> um, I pick them up and I'm like, oh, does someone want some attention? Is that why you're acting out? So I frame it like a reward. Like, <laughs> no, they mom, appreciate. No. Let me know. <laughs> my cat hates being picked up. Yeah. Got to convince my cats a little bit. <laughs> Got to be like, hey, baby. <laughs> so the letter from Sirius contains basically no new information. He's just like, good job not dying, Harry. Um, also be ever vigilant. That's like, yeah, constant vigilance, perhaps constant. one could say. Yes. This letter also contains six sentences. Three of which contain comma splices. That's a 50% comma splice rate. I was like, where is she going with the six sentences thing? Mm, mm -mm. A comma splice is when you connect two sentences with a comma instead of separating them into two sentences. So you can think of it as two different ways. That the editor or the publisher, whoever does the editing to it was really bad at their job. Or they left it to make it look real like someone who didn't know how to properly write wrote a letter. Because I would have made the same mistakes as Sirius did. No, I definitely think that it was a stylistic choice. But I just would have been like, hey, 50% is too high for this exact grammatical issue. You can pick Fair one. Enough. Pick one. I don't know that I have that in my... Oh, really? For... I'm reading the British version. Maybe they don't give a shit about comma splices. They don't give a shit about the fucking Oxford comma. Yeah, I've got comma splice count we're up to one i was like okay well maybe they split them all into different sentences but i only have seven sentences i would ask you to read it aloud if that would be even remotely interesting audio content <laughs> what's your first <laughs> comma splice that happens tell me that it's the very first sentence he's oh. like hello like good job i'm glad or like whatever getting out my book which i never get out because it's so big and loud <laughs> um <clears throat> Congratulations on getting past the Horntail comma. Whoever put your name in that goblet shouldn't be feeling too happy right now. Yeah, mine's a period. <gasps> let, let me look at mine now. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> let me see now that it could possibly be different because my book's really old. So what are the differences you guys have? After um, Horntail, <laughs> she has a comma and I have a period. I have a period. You guys both have the American edition. I have a British edition. Yeah. Fair enough, probably. Yeah. Christina, you're really just making fun of an entire culture right now. I, I'm sorry, my, but it's, I don't fuck with comma splices. <laughs> um, you, the next comma splice is like after Hermione's interjection. It says, 
but your way was better, like dot, 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 but your way was better, comma, I'm impressed. Mine has dashes for a dash. <gasps> yeah. A dash. Interesting. Okay, we won't <laughs> carry on with this. I realize it's very dull, but um, just beware for comma splices. <laughs> um, I did like the conjunctivitis curse part. Um, oh, yeah, I meant to Google what is conjunctivitis. Do you guys know? That's pink eye. Yeah, that's pink Is eye. it? Okay, yeah. I thought it sounded familiar. But pink eye... I mean, I don't think that is enough to, like, take down a dragon. Right. And also, they say, but it says that conjunctivitis curse because it's the dragon's weakest point. Okay. But conjunctivitis curse, I feel like the only point of that would be that they, like, if their eyes are, um. Like, itchy. Itchy and stuff, and they have to close them. Like, pink eye, like, causes them to, like, be stuck closed a lot. Oh, interesting. Oh, that. But then, how, I don't understand how their eyes being weak and their eyes hurting. Yeah, it I'm seems like you can shoot anyone in the eye. I'm imagining my chameleon, whose eyes are literally the most important thing on its entire body. Oh, yeah. Even the, besides the googly part, their eyesight is so important for their hunting. If they can't see, they literally cannot eat. Hmm. So there's multiple wow. reasons. So just, I'm, that's just a reptile thing I'm thinking of, and probably not all reptiles need that sort of Yeah, vision, so maybe, but... maybe the dragon just had no fucking idea what was going on if it, like, couldn't see. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes more sense. I was like, yeah, yeah. suck for anyone to not be able to Pink see. Pink eye stinks. It's, it literally stinks and sticks. Yeah. And I can only imagine the size of that eyeball with pink eye. And- oh, that's enough. That's enough conjunctivitis talk. <laughs> yeah. um, it's Christmas. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Merry Christmas to you. Wait, that's not a Christmas girl. Harry wakes up to the most beautiful view Oh. Yes, Dobby's face. <laughs> oh, I would love to wake up to that little face. Dobby, no, Harry opens his eyes and he's like, you have my mother's eyes. <laughs> yeah, that'd be such a good mashup. <laughs> Dobby, it's like, um, have you seen that bitch on TikTok who does all those videos with the Uno reverse card? This is Ella Watkins. Watkins? Watkins? W-H-A-T. Links in the show notes. They're fucking hilarious. All of the videos are like this. Is there a problem, officer? Ma'am, I'm gonna need to see your license and registration. I can show you my license and registration. Ella, please just show him your license. Let me just grab it for you. Ella, please don't do this. Uno reverse. What? Ella, no more. I'm afraid I'm gonna need to see your license and registration. Um, Just like Dobby's like, you have your mother's eyes and... Harry's like, reverse. You have my mother's eyes. That's funny. Um, yes, Dobby is standing on top of him and staring at his face very closely. <laughs> and so, Harry screams. So yeah. everyone wakes up because yeah. presents. Dobby doesn't understand personal space yet. No, he doesn't understand a lot of things, including <laughs> socks. <laughs> well, I have a, I have a question about the, I don't know if we've already talked about this because okay. it's Christmas in like every book. I think, right? Yeah, well, let's revisit it every Christmas. Great. Merry Christmas to you, first of all. How does the present part work? Because they get each other presents, but yeah. each other presents magically show up on the end of their beds. Yeah, you know that Ron and Harry aren't wrapping Hermione's presents. Mm-hmm. And they're certainly not sneaking. It. They're not all sneaking after everyone else. <laughs> I wonder if they have a present shoot. They're not all sneaking at the same time to each other's rooms. Okay, a present shoot. Like mail rooms, you put it in and it goes... And it goes to like where it needs to go and just boop. It's magic. It's literally Hogwarts. Honestly. 
Or yeah, probably this is This is what I would do if I was a staff member at Hogwarts, is I would get, like, the local businesses, like Honey Dukes and Zonkos, to, like, do some kind of, like, catalog for the students to buy each other presents, almost like you would, like, buy each other carnations for Valentine's Day. You mm. know, just, like, okay, like, pick one of these, like, ten items to get to your friends. Because they definitely did not have Amazon. For sure. And all of their presents are always candy, clothing, mm-hmm. or books. Pretty yeah. much always. Dobby brought Harry a gift. Um, so Harry lies and says that he also has a gift for Dobby, which he didn't even have to do. That Dobby w- probably doesn't even know that he should get a gift back. Yeah. Aww. He gives Dobby his worst pair of Uncle Vernon's socks. They're mustard yellow, which, first of all, is a great color. So, cool. <laughs> Yeah, how dare you? I fucking love that color. I'm literally wearing a mustard yellow sweater right now. I love the sweater, but I'm imagining sweat-stained old crusty socks. Right, yes. It's better on a beautiful woman's sweater than yeah. it is on Uncle Vernon's socks. I mean, used as pro- socks. This is sweat-stained too, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's Don't a it to deep color. <laughs> So Dobby believes there was an error because the socks match each other. So he like doesn't really get it. That was adorable. And honestly, just the image. So I would imagine actually Dursley's, Vernon Dursley socks going way further than just up to. Their thigh highs. Yeah. Literally. (laughs) Very cute. They're almost crotch high on little Dobby's legs. And I would imagine they would fall right back down. So very, very cute. He needs a garter. He does. (laughs) Little old grandma garter. (laughs) so ron also gives dobby a pair of his own socks so that he can mismatch them um as well as his weasley sweater which frankly that's that's good of him i know he doesn't give a shit about that sweater how many weasley sweaters does he have he literally gets probably multiple a year i know oh my god i know i i was thinking about how sean's grandma likes to give us quilts and they're all beautiful and i love them but i'm like i'm like there will never be enough people in our house for this many quilts to be necessary. If you want to donate a quilt, I will take a quilt. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll give you a quilt. We'll pass around uh, blankets. I just love how um, intricate the sewing is this year. Like Dobby is sewing socks with a, what, Quidditch? Isn't there a... A broom, I think a snitch. I think, a, he, I think a he knitted them, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. I don't think he would have been crocheting. Knitting I probably seems a little more, yeah. That was knitting. Um, and then the um, Harry's sweater had a dragon on it. Yeah, pretty badass. That's kind of cool. I, I definitely keep that. that. Yeah, keep that one for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dursleys send a single tissue. Let's talk about this. Why did they do this? Why did they even <laughs> send anything? How did they send it? I think that Hedwig must go to them every year and pester them. And stare them down. Because otherwise they would have no idea how to get it there. Oh, so maybe, honestly, maybe what happens if that's true is that Hedwig pesters them. They still don't give her anything. Threw something at him. From the house, because she doesn't really understand. She grabbed a tissue from his old bedroom. (laughs) Of Harry's own tears. It's a jizz tissue. You know it is. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) It doesn't matter. It it means a lot. It's from Hedwig. Guys, that's so nice. Uh, She deserves so much better. Harry's little sad jerks. We're not talking about dead Hedwig right now. We're talking about <laughs> no, sad Harry Potter jerks. <laughs> um, Harry gets lots of other candy. He also gets a cool pocket knife from Sirius that sounds like it should be a huge plot device in the future, but I'm pretty sure it actually never comes up again. I literally, that's exactly Contraband. What that is contraband, if anything. Yeah. As, as I was reading it, I was like, did I miss something? Does something happen with this that 
No, it unlocks any lock. It undoes any knot. And I'm pretty sure he maybe he maybe uses it once for something that does not matter. Yeah, I can imagine her writing it and then the editor also reading it and being like, this will show up and then forgetting. <laughs> yeah, that it should. Well, classic not. editor. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, let's keep an eye out for that. Uh, yeah. I almost said Sonic Screwdriver. <laughs> But that's like basically what I've it been is. rewatching Doctor Who too. So like, I feel like everyone I has. That. I need to jump on the, the that HBO bag. Max. So I'm catching up from Capaldi because after that I fell off. No, I get it. I get it. It's hard. There's so many doctors. It's hard to love them all. So many. So after that, we get a little snuggly Christmas Day montage. Um, here's my next issue. <clears throat> this one's an arithmetic issue. It says that at lunch there are at least 100 roasted turkeys. I'm pretty sure. Uh, it says at least. Um, so that's like three kids per turkey, per full turkey. Teenagers. No, man. No, there's no way. That's so much food. Yeah, they said at least include at least 100 turkeys and Christmas puddings. So that's 2.8 students for turkey if zero students went home for Christmas. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of turkey. Just saying. Half that, and that would still be enough turkey. That's my arithmetic problem for the day. Mm -hmm. Well, no, there's another one. Sorry. That's not the only one. (laughs) Okay. So next, they they go out to, like, uh, do uh, a snowball fight. They like to do this on Christmas. Mm -hmm. And then Hermione (laughs) gets up because she needs a full three hours to get ready. How long... Mary Payton, how long would you need to get ready for this event? It depends on whether you're asking me as I am now or at that age. Um, Because at that age, I absolutely would. Okay. This age, I would need maybe two hours um, because I'm incredibly anxious. And if there's a big event in my life, I would would start thinking about it like a week before. Yeah. Yeah. So the sooner I'm sure. getting ready, ready, ready for it, the the sooner my anxiety stops because I'm at least working on it. Okay. And I feel like Hermione would probably be similar. Yeah. Fauna, what about you? How long would you need to get ready for the Yule Ball? Um, I probably would have had like my dress and certain things ready ahead of time. Kind of, yeah, put out of, like, of outfit wise. Yeah. And that just making sure nothing's wrong. Everything's there. I don't misplace anything because things get chaotically thrown around all the time. Yeah. Um, especially when you're a teenager. Like our rooms were not clean when we were younger. <laughs> um, we know that well. And um, but for like hair makeup maybe if you eat before or like if you like whatever it was or if you're meeting up with friends but like I would say then not as long now I might do a little more because I actually wear foundation blush and all the things back then it was just like emo eyeliner maybe straighten (laughs) my hair yeah just kind of like make sure it looks smooth and not like gross so probably Everything not as looks long. smooth is like the perfect way to describe women getting ready for a formal event. Just make sure everything looks smooth. Spanx, tight leggings, whatever you need, Spanx. hair smooth, face smooth, boobs, everything. Gotta yeah. Like Hermione isn't around uh, like when the boys go down to the ball. So like she also could have had like a pre-date with Karam. He could have been like, can I take you on a walk in the gardens yep. or something beforehand? She also know. could have just wanted to get away from them because she. Oh, true. She's I would have mad wanted at to them. get away from Ron too. <laughs> She's just in the library straight chilling this whole time. <laughs> yeah, probably until like thirty minutes. Before. 
library. No one would have questioned it. She's always in the library. She actually never even went back to the common room. She fully magically got ready for the ball in the blink of an eye in the library. (laughs) After reading for three hours. Reading about how to get ready in two seconds. Mm -hmm. So including a shower, I would probably need at least an hour to get ready for something like this. Because then I'd have to blow dry my hair, which is so tedious i have like the thickest longest hair and i know that sounds like a brag (laughs) and sometimes it is but not right now because it takes me more arm strength than i have to blow dry my hair it's also relevant to this situation because hermione also has very thick long hair it's true i thought you were gonna say that it's relevant to this situation because i have my hair towel wrapped on my head (laughs) (laughs) i do i have my little hair towel on. i use this too and i have like four inches of hair (laughs) They're great. My hair's about to be too long, but we'll see. So the boys go up at with an hour to spare. So I guess none of them are showering. I don't know. Being last minute boys, teenage boys like usual. Yeah. I was so wondering in this chapter, like, where the fuck are the bathrooms? Like, do they shower? Do they even wash their hands? I don't think 14 year old boys do. I don't think they think about that. How greasing they are in their hair. And if you picture the hair that were in the movies, mops. Literal mops. It's been in like a hat all day. Yeah. I'm even imagining because like um, my stepson, he just turned 15 and Mm -hmm. he showers pretty much every day, but it's always at night. It's like nothing to do with getting ready. It has nothing to do with how he looks. It's just. It's a maintenance thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I imagine even if they are clean relatively, then it's probably they just do it every night or whatever. Weird. So weird. I know. Yeah, I just have so many questions. And also the prefect's bathroom comes up later. So I'm like, well, why the fuck? Yeah. Where are their bathrooms? Mm-hmm. And like, why would you go across the school to get to like a slightly That's true, more because all the girls bathroom? would be in the bathroom doing their makeup if they did makeup. Yeah, exactly. But do witches wear makeup in this universe? And I was wondering if they maybe would have like little vanities. Maybe they're like little desks in their room or like little. Maybe the girl. We really don't see the girls dormitory area in the movies. We only see like Harry's. So maybe they do. Do you think there's a wingtip spell? Because that would change my life. Uh, It's a felt tip. Felt tip definitely helps me, but I basically can't see out of one eye. So I'm never completely sure that they're even. (laughs) That's true. You are like this close to legally blind. Um, I try my hardest. Um, but now I have bangs, so you can't really even see what's going on up there. <laughs> I don't have to fill my eyebrows anymore because I have bangs, bitch. <laughs> you don't need to get tattooed either. So all the boys are very self-conscious. They need a they need they need a gay friend to hype them up. They or need just someone to shower. <laughs> yeah, a shower. Well, the gay friend would make them shower. Mm-hmm. They need like a hype person. They need like all these boys are like gripplingly self-conscious. We need like one person who's like, oh, my God, you look great. Like, let me come come over here. Let me straighten this for you. Like, look in the mirror. Oh, my God. OK, so finally, it's time. <laughs> oh, did we talk? Did we talk about? We didn't. Um, what? Uh, Ron fixing his robes oh the frills and this part drives me nuts because they use he uses magic a snipping tool or a snipping spell wait was that hold on hold on um he used a severing charm on the rough and cuffs that you know that charm is severus severus totalis pops out of his <laughs> wand and insults him and then goes back that's that's the no, he like it says it lo- it worked fairly well. At least he was now lace free, although he hadn't done a very neat job. Mm. 
and that like a lot of the magic stuff takes place of the everyday stuff that we have right so like sometimes it's mm-hmm. a little like it seems unnecessary because we don't have magic yeah this one really seems unnecessary because he literally could have done it better with just a pair of scissors yeah yeah you know who could have made ron's sleeves look really normal if he had asked nicely hermione i know she could have made them look super normal i bet probably and if they were going to this dance together she would have wanted to why did it like okay so harry was he like relatively well off after his parents like is that mm-hmm. a thing why a small didn't fortune. he just no i know no i know <laughs> i know what you're gonna say buy ron a new outfit uh, I, I don't know. I think know. we've talked about this so many times, but, like, I don't know. I, as someone who grew up pretty poor, I he never... He wouldn't have wanted to accept it and everything, but... Yeah, I but feel I like also... this situation, though, because Ron so much hated it, he mm-hmm. might have been like, yeah, this yeah, this time, yeah, we're good. And I also, like, I also didn't really let people know, but it's True. so obvious but Harry knows. Obviously knows. And he knows how yeah. much he hates this outfit. So he might have been more willing. Right. A couple of things. One, I don't think Harry for one second paid attention to how bad these robes are Probably until not. this moment. Yeah. He had no idea that they were this bad. That's He's not true. paying attention because they didn't matter. Also, I just want to remind everyone of a line that we encountered in this book where Harry is like, these poor Weasleys struggled with money so much and he wished that they would take money from him, but he just knew they wouldn't if he offered. He just knew. And it's, he just, he simply never tries. And like what he does for the Weasley twins at the end of this book is, is the least he can do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It alleviates his guilt, but he better have grown up and made Mr. and Mrs. Weasley's retirement so fucking good. Especially since he would have been part of the family then. Yeah, that's family. That's taking care of your in-laws at that point. And then someone you already loved prior to that. They are his parents, essentially. Yes. Yeah. And that's the, that's really the only reason that I can, like, or the way I can justify it. And yeah. with Harry is that, like, he was very young and very newly in in wealth. Um, yeah. so didn't really know how to handle it if his friends were then poor and said no maybe one time like yeah. me if someone said that to me i'd be like can i i'm just gonna do this this one time don't yell at me i'm just gonna take it yeah I got you. yeah or like you just don't say anything you're like i ordered this for you because yeah. i know what size you are because your si- your robes say they're size 12 and they're an inch too short right yeah <laughs> i don't know what boy sizes are just be like you obviously need me right now yeah. yeah. Um, but whatever. Ugh, just so many complaints. But okay, we must press on. There's so much yet to come in this chapter. So Harry and Ron go down to the common room where they meet Parvati. And she looks beautiful and she's wearing hot pink, which same. Love it. Ron asks where Hermione is and Parvati shrugs. But like surely Parvati has like some like any idea. So do we think Parvati's being difficult or do we think Hermione's been MIA or do we think Hermione has sworn them to secrecy about her date? I think she swore to secrecy because she knew she'd probably get teased. I can also imagine. I think I mean, I definitely think that's possible. I can also imagine Hermione keeping it kind of a secret from everyone. Right. She doesn't. Really, so she just like dipped out early, and Parvati's like, I don't know where she is. Like, she knew that he's Karam is a celebrity, really, at the school, and like to tell anyone is kind of bragging. 
And I think yeah. want to do And they probably wouldn't believe her, which would be, like, so terrible. Yeah. yeah. She's best friends with one celebrity, even though he doesn't really consider himself a celebrity. Then goes on a date with the other celebrity of right. a similar the, age. The only other celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we we just never get to see any of Hermione's relationship with the other girls in her class. And, like, I'm sure that they don't always get along. But I also have this, like, very devoted headcanon that they have this thriving friendship that the narrator, a.k.a. Harry, is, like, just too dumb to ever mention. Yeah, because Harry doesn't always pay attention. He's a boy. He's a teenager. Like, all these things that they live in a giant castle. So there's a lot of things they probably don't yeah. see. Yeah, And, like, even on top of being a 14-year-old he is just like even less perceptive than like other people his own age. He's yeah. just like extremely unperceptive. He he doesn't really ever truly know what's happening with Ron and then right. his best friend <laughs> or Hermione and another guy who's his same age. Like he, or himself. <laughs> he just kind of floats around. He's like, oh, I'm in danger. Yeah. Oh. oh. Really great narrator and stuff. He doesn't know he's in danger yeah. until he's in danger. Right. Right. So Ron, Parvati, and Harry go down and they find Padma in the entrance hall. And like some of this Yule Ball stuff, like obviously the book has a lot more stuff going on in this chapter than the film. But like I love the images that I get from the film. And yeah. I, I absolutely like apply them to this when I read it yep. and I just picture how beautiful and optimistic and cheerful Padma and Parvati are at the beginning of this night. They look absolutely stunning Yeah, in, in their um, like beautiful Indian dresses with all of their gold jewelry and their like long, beautiful hair. And like, so they beautiful. just have, they have no idea how bad their night is about to be honestly, because of these two boys who are so, so committed to having a bad time this night. Like they, at every turn, they make it worse for themselves. And, like, it, start, it's here, it starts here. We're, we're diving right in. <laughs> yeah, there's just, like, every... I feel like every moment between them gets worse and worse. And uh, there's always something easy they could say. Maybe not Ron in his situation, because that would be awkward. But, like, Harry is, is awkward about dancing or, like, nervous. He could literally just say it. And I don't know if that's... I guess that's part of like growing up you learn that like actually being honest about how you feel and like being nervous Dude, about stuff. I've been saying that for the last like several chapters yeah. that like a lot of Harry's trouble in this book specifically is just like not saying like one slightly a difficult sentence that yeah he, he's like wow I wish there was some way to stop Hagrid from interviewing with Rita Skeeter but it's too late now and it's like you could just tell him that it's a like just tell him yeah just He's like, I can't possibly say it in front of her. And it's like, first of all, you definitely could because she literally slandered you. Yeah. Second of all, you can tell him later. Like, <laughs> just try anything, yeah. Harry. Try anything. But this just continues to prove how good this chapter is at expressing the awkwardness and yeah. growing pains of uh, being yeah. a teenager. Because rereading and listening to this on audiobook as well, it was Painful, painful to listen. It's just like, oh no! It definitely like, feels like baby's there, you've first seen dance. Your friends do it. It's just like making you relive your own awkwardness, and you're like yeah. cringing at the thought of the stupid things you did or didn't do or did or didn't say. But, but, but it's like it's like having that anxiety, but then just being possessed by like the worst version of yourself. Like it's like, oh, I was awful like I whatever okay 
Literally, I don't even know if Ron makes eye contact with Padma. And that's the crazy thing. I don't it's think like, he did, yeah. I don't think he like, would have. He's so Harry, angry. Harry at least says, you look nice, right? That's like the most he can muster. He's not attracted to Parvati. And he thinks that there is a difference between being attracted to someone and say, like, complimenting Acknowledging, them. Yeah. yeah. Um, which you would, I mean, you, you compliment your date. Like, no matter what you're... No matter what you're doing, you compliment your date. When yeah. Sean gets up and gets dressed for work every single morning, I tell him it looks good because yeah. people deserve to know that about themselves. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I keep like punching all my equipment because <laughs> I'm so emotional. I can't believe how poorly they act. In but this good chapter. boyfriends and husbands when you get older, I'm saying specifically good ones, even when you look like a hot mess and sweatpants and raggedy and looking all gross, they will still think you're cute and call you cute and so if only these boys could have done that on their best yeah 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 and so ron doesn't look at padma or say anything to her after making such a big deal about having a date for no reason like he didn't have to have a date but he felt like he did and he got one for free without having to ask her someone way out of his league (laughs) and he can't even look at her he's looking for hermione that's fine you're in love with her whatever but like Tell her she looks nice. Tell her you're glad she's here. It's not hard. It's not a hard lie, even yeah. if you don't feel it. Yeah. It's like, I I honestly, I think I can remember how relieving it was when I got to an age, I think in either senior high school or something like that, where like you learn that it actually is such a relief to just be more honest and to compliment people and to like, yeah, not worry about whether like radical positivity whether you like someone or not is like no longer a game you learn that you don't have to play a game dude i tell the bitches i pass in old navy that i love their hair like it's like it's like spread it as as liberally as you can be like girls in the bars at the bathrooms when the girls will just compliment you when you go into a bar bathroom. Yeah. Your oh best God, friends you'll girl. ever have. I thought that was you in that bathroom. I, I, I knew that was you. <laughs> but it's like, I think, I think the reason that I can remember that being such a relief, I can remember those moments when I understood it, is because it's such a terrible feeling on the other side when you're that age. For yes. some reason. It's like such a self-hatred type. Yeah, thing. it's such a weird thing. You're like trapped in it until. Yes, trapped. I, I don't know what it is that shakes you out of it. But like, luckily, I think most people get out of that. I really think it's just like, I mean, at least for me and like what I can see from Ron here is this like paralyzing fear of like not being worthy. And yeah. so it's like, I'm going to be shitty to everyone before they can be shitty to me. And I definitely did a lot of that in high school. Mm-hmm. And you just have to like that weird, defense like you mechanism. be the person who is nice first. Like you just be like, become that person who is like good for everyone all the time. And then you'll attract other people who are that way. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Any any youngsters listening? Any youths? Oh my god! Please don't listen. Yeah, <laughs> maybe don't. <laughs> we could be so inappropriate. Not this episode. This this episode. This chapter is inappropriate enough on its own. Yeah. <laughs> so, the champions have to like stand aside to wait for their grand entrance. They have to open the ball. Harry realizes that Crumb's date is Hermione. And Hermione has undergone a magical girl transformation. <laughs> yeah. She's a girl. Oh, yes, she is man. now a girl. <laughs> Such a like '90s officially, like like a '90s sitcom or like a '90s rom com moment where 
you know, as a as someone watching it, you know she's beautiful the whole time. Like these people are just idiots. And yeah. then she like kind of pulls her hair back and kind of puts on takes the glasses off. And oh my god, like, like um, like Brittany Murphy in Clueless. Yeah, it's like that bitch was beautiful when she was full nineties grunge. You just put her in a mini skirt. It's just like it's a joke that no one that that made that big of a difference. But that's what's happening to Hermione right now. Princess Diaries. Yes. Well, she also just, I mean, like, I, I don't feel like this is bitchy at all, but she also tried tonight for probably the first time in her life. And I know that when I try, I look good. They really never and had when, a reason to otherwise. Yeah, exactly. When I don't try, when I go to school, when I go to work, I, I don't look good. <laughs> like, I'm not doing all of this. So I think Harry, for the first time, I just keep thinking about how my old roommate Alexis had a pit bull, and whenever I picked up the cats, the dog the dog didn't care about the cats except for when I picked them up. And she- Alexis would say, "You have put the cat into play by picking him up off the ground." <laughs> and I just keep thinking that Hermione has put herself into play as a girl in this chapter. <laughs> oh my god, what a twisted analogy that works so well. It's just it's the fuck the analogy, but the language I think is player three has entered. (laughs) Right, Hermione has entered the dating chat. (laughs) Ron walks fully past her and does not even notice her, despite the fact that he is aggressively looking for her. And I'm gonna I'm gonna do a cheers, and I'm gonna do like a sad cheers to Padma Patil in this moment because this is gonna be like the worst night of her school. I am looking at the picture from the movie because I wanted to look at their outfits. So I have like pictures of outfits for reference, things that I want to point out. And it's where she's pouting. Pouting and the girl, they're looking at each other and the boys are just obliviously facing the other direction. It is so bad. And they're sitting like such teenage boys too. Like just like the slouch, like. Yeah, just ignoring Like I hate my body, don't look at me. And like. I really respect, like, I respect for P- Parvati and Padma that they don't stick around long. Mm-hmm. Um, Parvati Good. gets the social cred and then drops him. And I respect the fuck out of that. Okay. Yeah, she had first, and she tries to be polite about it. She's like, Harry, would you mind if I go off? And then he doesn't even hear. He her. isn't even listening. Yeah. Okay, wait, let's get there. Let's get there. Okay. Can we talk about Hermione's dress real quick? Yes. Her in the book, it's supposed dress. to be blue, but in the yeah. movie, it's like a pinky purple. Yeah, I posted a picture today on Instagram, or yeah. I will. I think I schedule those posts for 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Wait or don't. That's up to you. But um, <laughs> there's a, a beautiful illustration in the Bloomsbury Illustrated Edition um, where the outfits are more representative. The picture also includes Parvati. Uh, no, um, Pad. Uh, fuck. <laughs> there's too many of these. P alliteration names. The other one, Pansy Parkinson, mm. and her like ridiculous like baby pink number. And I texted a picture to Mary Payton, and she said it looked like it was from Sixteen Candles. Um, yep. So I'll post a picture of that on our Instagram today because that's a great picture. Mm. And like in the illustration, also like Victor Crumb is so small and skulking, and he's like all in black, and Hermione's just shining. Yeah. So the champions enter the hall to great applause. Okay, here's my. This, I think this is my final elementary school note. There are a hundred smaller lantern lit tables, each seating about a dozen people instead of the long house tables. That is seating for 1,200 people, right? 12 times 100 is 1,200. Yeah. <laughs> At a school for 280 students. <laughs> well, plus the two schools. But it it's not everyone from the two schools. It's like maybe 20 kids Upper from the classmen. other two schools. Yeah, you're right. 
And first of all, the younger students aren't even invited to this. So 280 is not the number. It's it's less than that. It's it's like 150. Plus 40 students from the other schools plus staff and they're seating for a thousand people <laughs> in this room that is usually for 300 people. Hmm. So that was unnecessary. That, that There was no reason for these tables, for there to be this many. There just weren't. I think someone counted bad. There just weren't this many tables. Yeah, no, there's no way because that would need more space. They would need more yeah. space in them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, for no one to sit at them. So I think that there are a dozen tables. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I never even knew how many kids were at each school. I stand by there's 280 kids because it's it's five students per gender. So 10 students per year per house. So that's true. Oh, my God. Let me do the math again. Hold on. I'm going to make sure. I do, I'm going to double check my math. <laughs> so it's 10 students times seven years times four houses, 280. Are there that yep. little magical children in Europe? I think so. And they are po- apparently perfectly gender divided and age divided for this system. So they work. have to get muggle born ones just to make it even. I guess maybe they don't. Maybe they don't get all the muggle borns. Maybe they use some of them to even their number. Oh, no. That means. Is that why we didn't get our letters? <laughs> oh, my God. So there was a chance. There was that's a how chance. you make a. That's oh, how you make an obscurus from Fantastic Beasts. Yep, I definitely think that like she, that bitch, she definitely floats between like believing it's this school full of like a ton of magical kids and yeah. the reality of how she can write the story, which is much more e- much easier if there's only a few kids per year. Well, and I'm sure that the smaller student body makes it more like other countryside private schools in the UK. Are there private schools in the UK that teach magic? Are there homeschooled students that are magic? Wow. I'm sure there's homeschooled students. I'm sure there's people whose parents don't want them to go to school. Um, Hogwarts is a little wild. I also, I think I said last time, we talked about this before, but I feel like there's probably people too, especially muggle-borns, who still continue their kids through regular public school, Muggle public school, but then, oh wait, no, that doesn't make sense. So the opposite. So people who are witches and wizards and have kids, maybe they still put their kids through regular school to learn like math and English and stuff, and then teach them magic on their own. Like if Hermione went to normal school and went to like a governor's school and decided for a specialty of magic, it's like something like that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Harry throughout this chapter is, uh, uh, well, as long as he can hang on to her, keeps mentioning that Parvati is like steering him forcefully around. But here's my question. Bro, what if no one was steering you at all? Yeah. I Like, yeah, it, it mentions her steering him around, but I think more of the action is him just standing there. Yeah. And her being like, Let's, come on, it's time to do this. Yeah, she's like, you are embarrassing yourself. Say hi. Yeah, and therefore me. Yeah. She acts exactly like I would have in this chapter, which is make it work really well for as long as you literally have to and then abandon it completely immediately. Yeah. And she seems so excited, too. Like, there's men. I know. All the time of her, like, she's, like, fidgeting. She, like, messes with her bangles. She's, like. She feels pretty. Yes. And she even. Oh, no. Wait. We have to stop. We have to get there chronologically because, like, I. Okay. Okay. Harry, what if no one was telling you what to do? You fucking idiot. Okay. 
<laughs> All of the judges and everyone are up at the high table, except for Percy is there in lieu of Barty Crouch Sr. I've been promoted, Percy said before Harry could even ask, and from his tone, he might have been announcing his election as supreme ruler of the universe. True. Um, You missed the best part of this chapter, though. What? I mean, we kind of touched on it, but not in chronological order. Okay. At, like, literally, Hermione walks out with Crumb. Everyone is, like, gaping at her. Um, I think the narrative says that Parvati... Uh, hold on there's it says like Parvati like stares at her like it doesn't say rudely it's British people just like write in in such like a snappy way Parvati was gazing at Hermione in unflattering disbelief unflattering disbelief I love that's like a Jane Austen you possibly be looking that good how can you possibly be jaw dropped yes I love that um but but (laughs) But I, I still, just for the record, I'm Team Parvati throughout this chapter. Like she's yeah. the only one that I really care about in this whole <laughs> chapter, because um, she looks beautiful and she deserves everything. And I hope she makes out with that Bobaton boy. She is Harry's babysitter until she's like, "Nah, I'm good." <laughs> yeah, his babysitter. Okay, wait, wait. I just punched my microphone again because I'm mad. Okay, so Percy shares. Okay, guys, we're doing plot. Okay. Percy shares that Barty Crouch Sr. is not feeling well at all these days. He's overworked. So Percy's like, well, so he can feel better. I'm going to overwork on Christmas. What an honor. What a schmuck. What a fucking (laughs) schmuck. So so they all sit down. Percy makes Harry sit next to him. And then like Hermione and Crumb are somewhere. Parvati, I guess, is there. I don't think she gets mentioned like the whole of dinner. But Hermione and Crumb are like quite chatty with each other during dinner and then Hermione finally gets to teach a generation how to pronounce her name. <laughs> and Did you guys know how to pronounce her name before this? No. I said Hermione. Hermione, same. Mm-hmm. Which is wrong. I would I think if I saw it for the first time now I would get it right. Because it's not spelled Hermione. Right. Oh, I guess it is spelled Hermione, but I wouldn't do it that way. Here, you know what I would do? <clears throat> I don't know what I would have originally before the movies. Hermione. Hermione. So that's what I would have done if this came out today. And now I would just know how to say it. Yeah. I think I possibly would have at least thought about pronouncing it correctly because now that I'm older, I know that like names aren't always exactly how you read them. Yeah. I also don't think that in my adulthood I would be like, yeah, there's probably a human being named Hermione. Yeah. Like that's a great name. (laughs) It's pretty rough. Um, okay, so let me do this now. Goblet of Fire Year. You guys could look this up on your copyright page. Oh, God, I forgot to say book. I forgot to say book. The book was 2000. So that means the movie, the first movie will come out the following year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so she had to do this. <laughs> they're, they're talking. They're having like sexy dinner time. Dumbledore offhandedly mentions the room of requirement anyone remember the first yeah. time we get introduced to it I it's full of did. chamber pods yeah i did notice that and i was like that has to be the room of requirement and he didn't it's so cute because he doesn't even know what it is at this point and he's like he's in us, the middle of talking about how he doesn't know the secrets of the castle yeah and to us it's like so obvious For well you wanted a bathroom you got a bathroom obviously that room gives you whatever you need but mm-hmm. 
even like reading it then, of course, it wasn't that obvious. Yeah, I think it says something about Dumbledore, because let me let me tell you, if I had to piss and I was pacing outside the room of requirement, it would have given me working plumbing. Yeah, okay? yeah not it chamber pots. It wouldn't have given me a series of beautiful chamber pots. And I think that really says something about Dumbledore. That his mind is just a little too confused, even for the room of requirement. <laughs> it did the best it could. By the time he was born, weren't there at least somewhat functional toilets or at least outhouse toilets and not chamber mm. pots? Outhouse toilets for sure. Yes. But I don't. They, he probably didn't have running electric. Probably uh, like not. Running so at least an outhouse. Yeah, outhouse. House out. Like Porta John almost. Castles had privies, which is when you would sit on like an outside balcony and shit down the side of the wall, which is what I uh, never knew that was a thing. Yeah, that was super a thing. I didn't know it went down the side of the building, just adding a layer you, of You crust. know what? You just learn things when you write medieval fantasy. You just learn things you don't want to know. I know so many, so many medieval contraceptive methods. That definitely adds to why the moats in just castles were disgusting. Yes. Everything in medieval everything was disgusting. Oh, my God. Um, shit everywhere. Anyways. Shit every. That's when my mom is like, I was born in the wrong time period. I'm like, no, the fuck you are not, bitch. <laughs> you love plumbing. Yes. <laughs> and feminism. <laughs> yes. Plumbing and fem. Yeah. That's pretty much it. So finally after dinner, the tables like peace out. I, I, I had a pro. It's like Dumbledore like used magic to make them go away. And I'm like, how did they not hit anybody? <laughs> Like, on their exit. Their tables. Yeah. Imagine being at a wedding with all these little tables and then everyone standing up and the tables floating away. Like, you would have to try to not fuck that up or, like, take something away. Mm. It would also have to be, like, all the dishes and the, the seats and everything. Yeah, the seats. So this is a classic, like, language fudgeroo. It's like, yeah, they're, they go. What if someone was still sitting in this seat and it just starts floating away? <laughs> go, and then they just fall on oh, the ground. That would happen in Neville. Oh, Neville. At first when I was reading this, too, I imagined I read it a little too fast. And I was like, I read it as, like, Dumbledore was e- done eating. And so then he cleared out the tables. And I was like, <laughs> like okay, we're done. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, so the weird sisters take the stage. They're a grunge band with, like, artfully ripped robes, but they also know how to play classical dance music. Because of the name of the band, I just picture the Scissor Sisters in, like, have you ever seen them? No. Oh. Googling. You would know the song, probably. Forged in the gay nightlife scene of New York. That's how I want my biography to start. That is it, but that pretty much tells me how I picture them. Okay. Yeah, just like I don't know, like not '80s hair glam band because that's like too dirty, but like just like very performative and yeah. stuff. And like you would like Guar. We're in Richmond. Guar's from here. Like they want to be in glitter. And they want to be, like, all over the stage, but... They want people to look at them. But the name the Weird Sisters or the Three Sisters were, like, originally, like, the the concept Macbeth. I watched that. Oh my god, that's my plug this week. And then Mac- we got Beth. there after that. Of course, there was the name was taken into different things and probably changed. A yeah, little I bit totally forgot things. about that. But I was like, there. I know there's more of a historical context to the name, not just pop culture kind of thing, right? Mary Payton, we 
we should get some of our gal pals and go as the weird sisters for Halloween next year. I love Make that. sure it's not the ones from the uh, Chilling Adventures, Sabrina, because they had the sisters, the weird sisters are in there too. I think we would probably just make our own costumes. And uh, <laughs> wait, that would be so funny though if I got like some other witches' costumes that worked for the weird sisters. Yeah. Okay, so the champions go out to open the ball via dancing. Parvati saves the day. That's the thing. That's the thing. She imagine is the hero is written, of this chapter. Yes. Imagine if this chapter is written from Parvati's point of view. Like, everything would be so different. But he's like, yeah, Parvati's leading him because he doesn't know what he's doing. They're doing that weird middle school, like, slow dance thing where you don't really do anything. Which, by the way, when I'm like, Sean, dance with me. Like, that's all he's got. Like, is, like, the weird re- revolution. Yeah. Like, it's not terrible. Like, it's actually completely fine. Like, he's fine mm-hmm. in this moment. And then soon lots of other people are dancing. Mm-hmm. He keeps noticing that, like, Ginny keeps wincing because Neville's stepping on her toes. And personally, I really like that they changed this in the film so that he, like, practices dancing and is good at dancing and has a good time instead of just making him a punchline again. Neville is the best. And he stays with the dance, like, way longer than anyone else. I know. With Ginny. And they don't even get romantic. So you know that they just had, like, a really good time together as, like, people. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, a non-oblivious nice guy. Yeah, he probably listens to her when she talks. Mm-hmm. They're probably way better friends than we realize and what we get. Mm-hmm. They probably do hang out all the time and talk. So they're probably yeah. really close. Yeah. Well, Ginny was butthurt in the last chapter because she wished she had known that Harry needed a date because yeah. she could have, like, stepped in on that. I get it. Yeah, I it's Harry that. Potter. Okay, so they're dancing, and then Mad-Eye Moody comes up and compliments Harry's socks. And Harry's like, LOL, thanks. And then Parvati's like, that man is extremely creepy. And guess what? That's because she just realized he can see her undergarments. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and definitely did, because why would he just be looking at Harry's socks and happen? Yeah, why would he stop at the ankle? <laughs> he did he did not act like only seek out people's socks. Right, exactly. Hopefully Harry didn't have that pocket knife on him, contraband. Contraband. <laughs> What else does he see on people's it's like he's in al- their pockets? He's always seeing everything. Like, you can't stop him. If that's just what his eye does, he's yeah, just, like, inherently a menace to a, a bunch of underage yeah. people. Yeah. He's probably watching them all grinding on the dance floor. The fact that he would even want to work there, even if he had to be persuaded to work there is a red flag. <laughs> like, yes. I feel like as a normal, like if, if that were me and I had an eye that could see everyone's naked body at any time, I'd be like, maybe let's not work at a, a the okay. wizarding world does not make complete sense in some of their logic though. Yeah, true. Well, no, none. Wait, I'm so sorry. It, none of their logic makes one lick of sense. Is I think what you meant to say. Well, <laughs> some okay. of it I like, but other things are just unnecessary. Here's the other thing. And, like, obviously we have to keep in mind that Mad-Eye Moody is actually Barty Crouch Jr. We always have to keep that in mind. But, like, why draw attention in this moment to the fact that you can see through people's clothes? Like, why make that choice? Do you think he was maybe just trying to tease Harry about the socks? Yes, I do. Or he was purposely trying to make Harry uncomfortable because he's a dick. (laughs) But it didn't work because he's like, yeah, cool, Dobby made him. And he probably would have shown him off if he could. Yeah, I don't know. It definitely seems like a uh something that she missed when she was writing it. Maybe. 
the yeah, or box. like was like, oh, we're not gonna or just add to the there. awkwardness. Yeah. Do you guys ever like? I keep thinking about Edward Cullen because there is a narrative in um, Twilight about how he like can't help reading everyone's minds all the time. Um, do you guys ever be like sitting just like on the subway or like in a movie theater and be like, what if someone around me can read minds? And then suddenly you're like, I do having... that all the time. And then suddenly your thoughts are like terrible and you're like, oh no. <laughs> or like you think about someone's outfit and then you're like, oh, what if they could read my mind? What if they right? heard what me accidentally insult them? Mind? And you're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. In your own yes. head, I do that all the time. It's always in the exact moment that I'm like, man, I'm glad no one knows what's going on in my head that like the worst idea <laughs> happened that I never think about otherwise. Yeah. Right. But, like if someone in that moment could read my thoughts, they'd be like, this woman should be in jail. For yeah. Sure. I'll, I'll be thinking about like how I had a weird dream about how like my mom was in love with like my cousin or something. And then I'm like, oh, no, what if someone can read minds? <laughs> <That's so weird. laughs> I promise it was just a dream. <laughs> Okay, so after one dance, Harry's like, okay, let's go sit down. And here's the thing. This is where Harry makes a mistake. This is where Harry ruins everything. Parvati says something along the lines of, I didn't write it down. Can't we keep dancing? Like, there's, don't you want to dance some more? He's like, and no, Harry's like, absolutely it. not. Yeah, he's like, I, we're not doing that. Good one. Which anyone who's been in a concert for a band that they love, and like, especially a dancing specific concert where a great song comes on and someone takes you off the dance floor. I mean, I, I don't allow that kind of thing to happen. Oh, no, that's a, <laughs> I would especially be, if everyone's dancing to it. Mm-hmm. All your friends. Right. I mean, yeah, I'm out of there. It's yeah. like if party in the USA comes on, no matter how much you hate the song, you have to stay <laughs> and dance. You can hate it, but you're going to stay. I mean, literally like, my husband, Sean, doesn't like dancing, as I mentioned earlier, you know, and that's his choice. That's why we didn't have like a normal person's wedding, like, you know, because he doesn't like dancing. And so like, if I'm going to see a concert of someone I'm super lit about, like, I have to take someone besides him. Like, yeah. there have to be just like any friends who get lit and like, because you have to have someone who can match your energy. Like, it sucks to be at something you're stoked about and be like, like, like the only one. Yeah. Jason is the best. Because he, uh, for anyone who doesn't know him, he has this beautiful, luscious head of very curly, long hair. Oh, I bet he had bangs. And he had bangs like crazy. And it's amazing. He went to a concert with his with his daughter the other night, and it was just like a uh, Zach Brown band. So like like fun country kind of music. So not mm-hmm. like headbanging music. Right. But apparently for some of the songs they covered, he was like headbanging, and she was standing there mortified. <laughs> Don't be mortified. She doesn't know how cool her dad is, honestly. She has, like, no idea. He's extremely cool. And she was like, wow, yeah. And people were coming up to him and being, like, like, talking to him and being like, I love the hair, man. I love it. And she was, like, rolling her eyes about it. And I was like, yeah, that's why he's amazing (laughs) to any event. (laughs) I'm sure Jason would win, but he and I should have a head bang off. But saying bang off doesn't sound right at all. I wouldn't do that with your husband. Bang off if you want. (laughs) Just keep it civil, you know? Okay, so Ron is, quote, completely ignoring, unquote, Padma Patil, who's having the worst night of her life. Poor yeah, girl. what a nightmare. Just more yeah. proof that Ron's an ass. Just right. Those dances are awkward enough. So, like, to be with someone who is literally making you feel ugly or unwanted when you've finally gotten ready. Especially when she's one of the most, like, apparently, like, good-looking girls in the school. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, who says that? Someone does say that yeah. in this chapter. They're like, the oh, they, those, they're so lucky because they have, oh, like, Seamus. two of the, Seamus is yeah. like, how did you two get yeah. the most good-looking girls in school? Do you remember Ron's response to that? It was no. really snarky, wasn't it? Because I hope her nose is dead center. Animal Oh, yeah! Animal magnetism. And then he doesn't even look at her. How does he even know what that even means? It's absolutely... I'm, I have no idea because he surely doesn't have any. No. <laughs> Like, if I were Parvati or Padma feeling beautiful and ignored tonight, I would die for the attention of a table of French gentlemen. So mm-hmm. so Parvati quickly gets whisked away. And as you mentioned earlier, I think Mary Peyton, she's like, do you mind if I go dance with him? And Harry says, what? And she says, <laughs> never mind, and leaves and never comes back. So here's what he could have. So I think we've pointed out three or four places in this chapter where Harry and Ron, but particularly our hero, Harry, could have done something to be a good person and chose not to. And so in this moment, he was listening. You know how I know he was listening? Because the book heard her. Like the book heard this encounter. We are Harry. Harry is the book. (laughs) He was literally listening to this. So she says, do you mind if I go? He needs to say, oh, of course not. You know, and like, thank you so much for having dinner with me. And that's how you could... Literally, he could do that, and she would end the night remembering him as a nice guy who did his best. Yeah. And the action would still be the same. Like, right. He wouldn't have to do anything. To stare at Cho for as long as he wants. <laughs> and pa- Parvati, if he even said that, those, like, that's so few words. That was under 10 words or whatever. Maybe I didn't count. <laughs> if he puts that much effort into it, Parvati will look over him, at him and be like, poor guy can't get the girl he wants and like i'm just glad he was good to me you know what yeah. i mean but it's like at every turn he and ron are making the wrong choices so speaking of harry and ron making the wrong choices hermione comes over and she's extremely hot and happy <laughs> which vibe i feel hermione in this yeah. moment yeah she feels like a woman flushed and hot and happy love yes it. you love to see it yes it almost feels like she's had her first ever glass of champagne. Yeah. Even though I'm sure. Well, maybe she has. I don't know. It's a wizard land. Yeah. Okay. Ron is mad that she's happy. Straight up. Straight up. That's what triggers him in this moment is her happiness. And that's how you know that right now he's a toxic person. Oh, yeah. You know, as the books progress, he becomes so much better. And it's okay to be a toxic person when you're 14 and get better. I mean... That's kind of like just the natural progress of life. Yeah. I was terrible when I was 14. Mary Payne, were you terrible when you were 14? Yeah, for sure. I had no idea. Like we just talked about, like, you can just be nice to people. Actually, that's the best way to make friends. Yes. It was like a mystery. That was a mystery. mean or an ass. (laughs) Yeah, you don't get it. Fauna, you weren't a terrible 14 year old. No, I wasn't. Wow. I actually genuinely have no memory of you. I cannot relate to you in any way. I don't know. I was actually like confessing all of this to one of my adult best friends the other day. When I was 14, I was a pathological liar. Like straight up, like every word that came out of my mouth was a lie. And I was, I lied to my friends like all the time. And I would do, if I felt wronged in this, like I, I perhaps would have pulled a run in this moment at the age of 14 if the circumstances were right, you know? The stories you've told me were pretty wild, so it makes sense. I was 12 and you were like 14, so there is a still like that middle versus high school year gap too still. Oof. I probably thought I was extremely cool. I was like, let me take my baby cousin under my wing. I'm You, you did really great despite that, so good job. 
I think you, I think at this age, you start to realize that you have some sort of power in like how people see you yeah. and, and how you interact with the world. And I think the easiest way to get that is to make fun of other people and to lie and to do it. I think, yeah. I think you just absolutely get drunk on power. We talk about drunk with power when it comes to like mm-hmm. political leaders and stuff. Yeah. I do right. think when you're a teenager, you feel that feeling too. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was too busy with Taekwondo and martial arts, and I was like, I gotta be a good person. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. Just got my black belt. Blah, blah, blah. blah I was blah. gonna say, Dijana the Fun is literally a black belt because <laughs> we grew up together, and I was always like more than twice her size, but she could always kick my ass for <laughs> sure. I, n- I never asked for it. I'm not trying to fight that fight. So she had the real power. Everyone else is like, oh my God, I can just like make fun of people, and people love me. And fun is like, hmm. No. <laughs> I can kick your ass, actually. I would love to open this can of whoop ass upon you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, all right, guys. We have to get through this. It's Ron. Ron is trying to fight. The worst. Ron wants to wipe the smile off of Hermione's face. He claims that Victor Crumb only invited her to the ball because he's trying to get inside information on Harry and or get help with figuring out the mystery of the screaming egg. He's just a little shit. He, he, I remember this feeling Mm -hmm. of wanting to be the reason for someone else's misery. Like, I'm so miserable that I want to know that, like, I can bring you here, too. Toxic as Extremely toxic. Extremely toxic because, because, and here's what you do. And I'm 30. What you do in this moment is you say one shitty thing. You hear it come out of your mouth. You hear how bad it sounds. And then you say, Hermione, I'm sorry. I know that sounded bad. I'm actually having a really bad night. Like, I don't feel right in my body or in this moment. And then you guys grow together as friends. And she probably wouldn't leave his side the whole night if he just had a vulnerable moment with her. But no, he couldn't. I know it's like getting ahead a little bit, but she's the one that finally says something a little bit vulnerable at yeah. the very end. Yeah. Like he is so rock solid, stubborn about not saying anything until she does. Yeah. And he's like and that towards Harry too. That's what I was going to say. Their fight, their fucking fight <laughs> just ended. And now he's like, well, I need to fight with somebody. Yeah. Literally Harry tries to butt in. Harry's like, Ron, I don't mind if Hermione dates Crumb. Like, I really don't mind. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not threatened by that at all. And Ron literally doesn't hear him. And I don't know about y'all, but I've been in this moment when you're trying to reason with someone and they're just like not listening to you. And it's like, whoa, dude. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that Harry said something, even though we already expect- It's his only redeeming moment in the whole chapter. Yeah. We, we totally expect him to just be, a, you know, a blob floating through, what? not standing. <laughs> yeah. <at> <laughs> Which is so frustrating. The whole thing is supposed to be kind of blurting out things in defense of others. Like that's like supposed to be his Gryffindor point. But like when it comes right. to actually socializing and his friends, he really never does that. Well, and he says at the end of this chapter that like Harry wouldn't risk his like renewed friendship with Ron for anything. Yeah. And there is a chance that if Harry had done anything more in this night, he could have like lost Ron. And so yeah, like, he was probably like, that balance and struggle 
And like, I've never done anything like this, but I've done maybe like a much smaller dairy. Like I think Ron and Harry have an unspoken understanding at some point this night that they are committed to unhappiness. Like, have you ever been like, I'm thinking about like, maybe like going out to the bar with my husband and friends. And then he and I both right when we get there are like, oh no, actually I wouldn't, neither one of us wanted to come to the bar. No, yeah. right here, this doesn't feel right. And so it's like, we're both committed to like having a certain narrative for the night. And that narrative is escape. <laughs> so like, I think Ron and Harry have this understanding. They're like, okay, we're both, we're both not doing this. Ron is the emo boy, the sassy, angry, long shaggy haired emo boy. Right. So, and it's wild because Padma is here witnessing Ron ruin Hermione's night. She doesn't intervene. I like to think that Parvati would have intervened. Yeah. But Padma doesn't know Hermione. So Hermione stomps up and then Victor Crumb comes looking for her and he's extremely polite. And Ron is, what's the adjective? What's the adverb? He's like a, it says like antagonistic or, or but. Oh yeah, it says, Ron says no idea, said Ron mulishly, looking up. Mm, mulishly. Lost her, have you? I didn't even know that was the word. I know, it's a, it's a word you don't see very much, but it you get this picture of just like digging your feet into the dirt and being like mm. an immovable force mm -hmm. or no, an immovable object, unstoppable force. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so after all of this... <laughs> Padma is like, I suppose I will leave now. Yeah. This doesn't feel like I'm involved. Uh. <laughs> and I'm just so glad for Parvati and Padma that they got out of the situation. And, and they have French boys drooling all over them for the rest of the day. Amazing. Okay. So then Ludo Bagman, he's coming at us. And we watch him get accosted by twins on the dance floor. Uh -huh. He shakes them. <laughs> he shakes them. And then he comes over and then Percy comes over. And it's like, whoa. So then Ron asks Harry to go on a walk. Good move. Good move. If you are feeling weird and you're acting bad, go away. They should have done that a long ago. I know. They're both just like really trying to have a bad time. And here's the wild part. Here's the wild part. Them going on a walk only makes it worse in like a lot of different ways. Like it makes it worse in so many ways. They are just like they're fated to just be tied to all kinds of relations. Right dramas yeah i like they use the word faded because it makes me feel like this chapter is a tragedy you know like a classical greek tragedy really where everyone dies at the end yes. <laughs> yeah like the odyssey but <laughs> it's like instead of like the making of a story it's like the undoing of a story uh, yeah so they go out to the rose bushes there's probably no one making out out there <laughs> But the, this, like, Rosebush Garden has been set up just for the night. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that happens is they overhear Snape and Karkaroff arguing. It's been getting clearer and clearer for months. What's it? I don't know. And then Snape is like, well, fine, whatever. You flee. But, like, I'm not going to flee. I'm staying at Hogwarts. Yeah. And Harry and Ron are like, what, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> And meanwhile, while they're apparently having this really intense conversation about the Dark Lord and Death Eater things, it, Snape is also blasting apart bushes and discovering kids. Children making out. Yeah. Maker outers. <laughs> so good. The awkwardness yeah. of awkward teenage makeout sessions. Snape is just never off, you know? He's just. He's always working. Off. I was thinking, because as a reminder, this hasn't come up in a while. Um, 
But as a reminder, we do have a drunk teacher count on our website. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And so I was on high alert for drunk teachers in this chapter. But the bonkers thing is that there's no like obvious allusions to any of the teachers being drunk. It's just kind of a shit show chapter. So I think we can like extrapolate that Hagrid has had some drinks. I think we can probably assume that like most of the teachers have had drinks, but none of it doesn't come up at all. Maybe they're just in chaperone mode to make sure there's no teenage wizard babies. They have drank in chaperone mode before. (laughs) But I think you're right that, for example, McGonagall would never drink because she's in chaperone mode. I think that's also the So that's where I was going with this is I was like, I hope Snape Snape had like a shot to get to get into the Christmas spirit. But I I don't think he did. A shot might help with the aim a little bit. Like when you're bowling a little bit, you relax a little bit and he's just like blasting rose bushes. (laughs) Like I'm only going to beer pong when I'm drunk. Yes. But you have to hit that peak. You have to hit a certain peak. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's like with coding. I heard that if you code and you drink a certain amount, you have to hit that peak. (laughs) Okay. So then, so then Snape is like, what the fuck are you doing here? And Ron is like, we're walking here. And Snape is like, well, keep walking then. And Ron's like, fine, we will. And it's like the most mulish to use a word we recently learned conversation I've ever seen in my life. So then Ron and Harry accidentally sneak up on Hagrid and Madame Maxine. And like, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I just can't believe this. Sweet, sweet Hagrid. They're being sexy. Like they probably just made out. So like Ron and Harry are accidentally eavesdropping. And Harry's like, I wouldn't want to be overheard in this moment. This sounds like tender talk. So let's get out. But Ron's is like, no, Fleur Delacour and Roger Davies are making out over there. So I'm not going over there because I am terrified of that woman. Yes. Yes. So they're just stuck here. Eavesdropping. It's the worst thing I can imagine. I just, guys, do something different. He just is frozen. He just like literally cannot move. Where was his invisibility road if he needed it? Right, yes. Should always have that on hand. Yeah. Yeah, he's completely stuck in this moment. This reminds me, the only time I've been this stuck in my life is when I have been on hallucinogenic drugs. And, like, something about, you do some shrooms, and then you're like, "Uh, I feel good enough, I can go to bed. You get in bed, you usually sleep on the side that's up against the wall. The guy that you're dating, but not quite dating, (laughs) rolls a little too close to you, and you know you have to leave. In that moment, he rolls a little too close to you, and you know you have to leave, because he's not your boyfriend. He's just dating you, and he refuses to make it exclusive. You feel the walls caving on on you, and you say, I need to leave, but you can't. For some reason, you just can't leave. You're stuck there. For like hours until you can muster the strength to get up and go. And then you steal his North Face and you steal his cigarettes and you walk to your best friend's house. Wow. And I think we're doing the chapter. That's pretty much what happened. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, but there's a lot of awkwardness with that and poor Hagrid. I know. Okay. So it says like Harry, Harry tries to interest himself in a beetle crawling along. He's like, this is what I'm doing now. I'm looking at this beetle, which first of all, imagine Huh? In a Rita beetle? Rita beetle! That's what I was wondering. Was it her or just an actual worthwhile no. bug? No, it's a beetle. It's it's her. No. <laughs> it's it's Rita Skeeter. Uh-huh. Because later they're like, there was a bug here and a bug here and a bug here. And this is one of them. Mm-hmm. 
imagine being Rita Skeeter and, and realizing that Harry is just like staring at you and he's not even a part of the story. He's just staring at you. Yeah. So she was listening to Haggard's conversation and... Yes. So, okay. So it's bad. I'm just going to... We're going to dive right in. Okay. So Hagrid says, is it your mother or your father? And Madame Maxine is confused but sexy. She's like, oh, agreed. What the fuck could you mean? That's not or like, whatever. For is confused but sexy. <laughs> confused <laughs> but sexy. The name of my memoir. <laughs> so Madame Maxine seems like she has no idea what he's talking about, or does she? She seems a little too completely oblivious for it to be right. real. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like, she's at least heard people's assumptions, even if it might somehow not be true. Mm. And by this point, she's known Haggard a few months, and she should know he means no harm. Especially when he's pouring his heart Mm -hmm. out to you. Right. There's a total difference, I think, um, and and this has happened to me in, in relationships. There's a total difference between being like, I am mad at you and we are fighting, and being like, you phrase things in a way that upset me. And like, I, I need you to understand like the language choice here. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It does seem like she's trying to give him opportunities, even though she's doing it in kind of an angry cutting him off way. She's kind of being like, I don't know what you mean. That can't be right. right. You know, like, and I want, you know, does she know, does she not know what he's talking about? Does she know what she is? Does she not know what she is? But, like, bare minimum, she's a woman who knows she has this heritage and she knows that it could ruin her professional career. So she doesn't want to talk about it at, like, in this public place. So she was purposely not saying what we all know. I think she definitely, to me, I read this as her purposefully concealing it for privacy purposes. And Hagrid should have stopped. She gave him a lot of clues, as you mentioned. He's probably drinking. He's super sweet. He feels comfortable. He didn't know there was a beetle. I was wondering if I should count him exclusively in our drunk teacher count, but I don't think that's fair because it never says that he makes bad choices when he's sober. But he's always been very whoops when it comes to saying things he shouldn't have anyway. Yeah. Shouldn't have told you that. And that's like, uh, Fana, you brought up like she knows him at this point at least a little bit. That might honestly be a reason she's definitely not saying it is because she knows that he is kind of a fuck up when he when it comes to maybe over sharing. Yeah. Or she hopes to you know, or, or like or and slash or she hopes to protect him mm-hmm. by like shutting down this line of conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's like, let's talk about this on my ship or or in your cabin. Like, let's talk about this like not here. But he is probably drunk and they did probably just make out and he wants to connect with her. So Madame Maxim try, tries to leave because she doesn't want to talk about this. But Hagrid is like, no, don't go. I've never met another one before. Oh. And she says, another what precisely? <laughs> uh, I'm bad at French, French accents, but it, it was spelled like another. But also like... If that's true, then he's literally not had anyone else at all to connect about this with. He's had so much shit go on in his life in just, mm-hmm. besides Dumbledore, no one knows. They might yeah. assume, or but he's not tall enough to be, to maybe be injured, because she's a whole different height level than he is. Mm-hmm. I think that's a movie thing. Maybe. At least the perception of the movie. But still, like, maybe in the real world there are people. How tall is Hagrid? Hagrid is supposed to be, uh, I think, 
Like eight or nine feet tall? Eight foot six inches. Okay, so that definitely maybe. For the record, the average, if I said eight or nine, the average of that is eight, eight, six. <laughs> yeah, it says eight foot six inches. <laughs> if you Google how tall, it just, compl- it, the first one is Peppa Pig. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> how tall is Peppa Pig? Wait, now I need to know. Peppa Pig, Peppa Pig is seven feet tall. Peppa Pig is seven feet tall. It doesn't make I'm, sense. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is earth shattering. That's terrifying. <laughs> That's, That's terrifying. so scary. What the fuck? Peppa Pig is. <laughs> It's like a slender man type of situation. <laughs> but then her little accent. <laughs> I know. Okay. This is in the sun. <laughs> okay. I can't. I have to move on from Peppa. I, ha- I have to unlearn that Peppa Pig is seven feet tall. That's, that's nightmare l- fuel. Yeah. That's that's Not life cute running. little Peppa Pig, but Peppa Pig. What were we doing before this? How did I get Hagrid here? and Giants and Oh, height. Hagrid. And yeah, you Hagrid Google searched it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I feel like they have to be, they're probably around the same height in the book right. because he assumes that she's half giant and he is mm-hmm. half giant. So he must be assuming the same amount of giant in there. Yeah, true. We don't get like great details because, as a reminder, Harry's our narrator, but he does like equate them in terms of size. So I just imagine them as similarly heighted at Maybe least. Then. But I know we don't have an answer, but. The idea of how to make a half giant sounds very painful or very destructive yeah. or very weird. It's like a <sighs> chihuahua and a Great Dane. Yeah, and the thing is I have seen a tiny dog hump a big dog. My friend has like a terrier and then like a, I think a, a, a but Great But that dane. awkwardness, no, if you want to use that analogy of a little dog and a very large dog and it has to be a certain way, otherwise it doesn't work out well in the end essentially. Those two are like 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 a big dog and a small dog are like similar. Yeah. They really make it seem like giants are like another creature. Like, yeah. Giants are like fifteen feet tall, and that because they just enjoy killing, which I'm sure like this Wizarding World is very racist. So that's yeah. So the dynamic just seems really difficult. Yeah, I don't love the expression "throwing a hot dog down a hallway." Oh, God. <laughs> That's an expression. Then why would you That's an that expression up? about what men like to, you know, and I, I think that was like a high school expression that boys would joke about sluts, but now we celebrate sluts because we're woke. Um, but I think that a, a human dude fucking a giant woman, uh, sis all around, I think that would be like throwing a hot dog down a hallway. This might be the high school thing that I heard, like the random thing, and it kind of counts because we're talking about witches and wizards. This we had the idea that I heard in high school once or twice was wizard sleeve. That that's in, like your version of I guess everything goes in or like <gasps> the girls who sleep with a lot of guys essentially like a. Mary Poppins bag. Like, are a you slut? relating a vagina to a bag of holding right now? Essentially, I love that. I do. I too. love that. That's I what love I that. heard in high school. No one. You have to refer to my vagina as the bag of holding. I don't accept the word vagina. But like, anymore. I the term wizard sleeve was used. Wizard sleeve is acceptable. But yes, the bag of holding. Yes. Did y'all watch Burn City that. at all? I have, but I, I haven't seen all of it. So as Alana says, in I think the first episode of Broad City. Oh which made me love it. 
Um, the vagina is nature's pocket. <laughs> yes, indeed. I remember a dude asking me in high school if you could put stuff up there. And I was like, technically. And he was like, so what do you have up there? And I'm like, oh, no, not like it's no, not, not like a storage that. container. <laughs> and that guy was my best friend. And he's still my best friend. Hey, David, he's having a great time in West Palm Beach. Oh, David, I hope you uh, learned some things since then. <laughs> <laughs> I, he was probably trolling me. Okay, so Madame Maxime gets super offended and storms off. She's like, no, not me. And like, good, because no one can report anything, if even if they were eavesdropping. Ron specifically is shocked by this news about Hagrid. And I'm so sorry. I, I know that I said that I had finished bringing up all of my grade school complaints, but I do have a final grammar issue. And that's a dangling, it's a dangling modifier. It says, brought up by the Dursleys, there were many things that wizards took for granted that were revelations to Harry. And what the dangling modifier means is that if you say brought up by the Dursleys, comma, the very next word has to be Harry because Harry was brought up by the Dursleys. But right now it's saying weirdly that there was brought up by the Dursleys. Brought up by the Dursleys, there were many things that wizards took for granted that were revelations to Harry. The first half of the sentence is treating Harry like the subject. The second half is treating him like the object. Okay. I know no one cares, but there was an inordinate amount of grammatical mistakes in this chapter. And I said it right, and I've had more wine (laughs) since then. Nailed it. Wouldn't have caught that either. Thank you so much. So they go back inside. Mm -hmm. Parvati and Padma are surrounded by a whole table of Bobaton's boys. Good for them. Yeah. Good for them. I know. They really deserve it. Mm-hmm. Ron explains racism to Harry. <laughs> He's like, people don't like giants because giants aren't very nice. So, in fact, he explains that he is racist yeah, to Harry. Explain that it's a racist thing. He explains the thing as a fact. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I th- that this is yet another subject that this book was not equipped to handle. Because... Are giants a violent species? Like animal abuse of the owl and uh, against giants, werewolves, probably other creatures. We got the house elves. Yeah. So it's like, you know, dragons are violent and that's what dragons do. And they're another species from us and they're just violent and we love them anyway because they're cool, majestic creatures. But it's like because giants look humanoid, we have like different standards that we impose on them. And Ron's like, they're really violent. And it, it's like, that's like a really bad thing. I don't know if this means anything, but it just weirds me out that he's like, well, they were dying out anyway. And then loads got themselves killed by oars. They're supposed to be giants abroad, though. I feel like even if they were some sort of animal, like you would be worried about an entire species dying. Yeah, you out. would you would never be like, oh, all of those animals got like all of the I'm trying to think of an extinct species but I, I'm like an idiot so I don't know any but you wouldn't be like oh all of those deer got themselves killed off it's like it's not their fault they right. just, just live here yeah it's like it's a it's definitely a red flag moment and definitely the giants later in this series sort of straddle that line between human and creature because like some of them can talk some of them can't you know like they they have civilization but like barely you know it's it it really is like straddling this line and this book series absolutely refuses to delve any deeper than being like this is a species that straddles that line 
Yeah, I mean, if if Hagrid later in the series can go, can be entrusted with the mission of going to the giants in the mountains and finding them and trying to convince them to be good, obviously it means that they believe that he can talk to them in a right. diplomatic kind of way. Right. So they're a humanoid civilization. So right. like why? So we're being racist against them. Like in, in the end, it's it's just racism. Yeah. Yep. Too many humanoid species in this. Like our our human world only has one humanoid species. And so it's like, you know, we talk about race, but this world has so many humanoid species and all of them are oppressed except for the humans. Yeah. And that's wild. Yeah. Because goblins and giants and mermaids, like all of these other species, house elves are humanoid intelligence, you know, like humanoid bodies. And, um, and the whatever. ones that live in uh, the dark forest and everything, too. Mm-hmm. The horse guys, yeah. whatever they're called. Centaurs. The centaurs. centaurs. <laughs> I was like, the forest guys, there's like a camp in there. Yeah. Couldn't remember off the top of my head until I was saying it. The horse guys. Mm-hmm. So finally, and thank God, finally the ball ends. Mm-hmm. Harry and Ron are trying to leave. Cedric intercepts them and is like, oh, I, I, he looked like he only wanted to talk to Harry, whatever. So Ron goes on angrily and Cedric tells Harry to take a bath with his egg. Cedric insists that Harry use the prefect's bathroom. Why? It's private. To me, it, to me, it just really felt like she was like, oh, shit, now I have to explain bathrooms that there are no that there are baths. <laughs> that would be a very weird thing to have in a public kind of setting like this to have baths. Right. Versus like just showers. I mean, I guess. Right. Maybe could also be a cultural thing or cultural difference. True. Because there are public baths in different countries and stuff, too. I don't think that's a Britain thing. And. The note, like, Harry goes into here. There's, like, a big public middle of the room. Okay. I'm going to back it up. I'm going to start by telling you guys my one recurring nightmare. My one recurring nightmare is that I'm in prison. And the bathrooms are set up so that all of the toilets are in a circle facing each other. Right? And I have to shit in, like, open air while making eye contact with other people. (laughs) I don't even have bathroom anxiety, but that's a nightmare that I've had more than once. Okay. Oh my gosh. So I feel like this is like a version of my nightmare is going into a public bathroom, knowing it's public, knowing anyone can walk into it at any time, choosing to bathe naked in the middle of the room and then worrying about if someone's going to walk in. Yeah. Like why? So much why? Why do they have their own bathroom? The prefix. I mean, I don't know. It Like purely for VIP status. Maybe. Why would you? Would you walk? Halfway across the castle for VIP bathroom status? Some people are really picky about the types of bathrooms they use. There are some people that are bougie. And with that many people generally using the bathrooms, but you can choose a bathroom where like only select like a few people use it. Yeah. Yeah, I could imagine if you're like an RA in college or something and that like you have your own bathroom, especially if you live alone. Imagine using the bathroom or the shower with either the younger people or 
the annoying people that are still your own age, you are a (laughs) step above them and they're annoying as shit and you may or may not have to report them doing stupid shit in the bathroom (laughs) and you're like, I just want to take a shit or I just want to take my bath and relax. But I can't because so-and-so is shoving so-and-so's head in the toilet. So I can't relax. It's like the prefect's bathroom. In the prefect's bathroom, almost like the teacher's They can be like like, No one's watching anyone. Yeah. Okay. But Harry comes away from this encounter thinking to himself, quote, that had been extremely strange advice, unquote. And I think that sums it up. It was extremely strange advice. Do you guys remember reading it the first time if you, if that was obvious to you? Like, I feel like in that moment it was obvious that like, oh, if this thing is, he's specifically asking if it wails and if it wails, you should take it to a bath. Like, that's so obvious that that means underwater, it won't wail. Yeah, I can't remember if the first time I read that. Because, like, we were relatively young Yeah, still. So the way we process things, it's just, like, that's why it's good to reread these things. You, like, oh. Like, one, we already know what it actually is. And two, when you read it actually again, you're like, ah, foreshadowing. It's true. And me as a character, I have this, like, weird personality trait that makes reading books delightful to me, which is, like, I'm really bad at critically anticipating, like, what is coming next in a plot. Like, I can read any mystery. I feel like I'm pretty good at it. Like, my critical thinking skills in high school for advanced, like, reading classes, like, the way I annotated notes, I was so good. So I definitely used that in college for things. But, like, if I read this past the age for the first time like if i read it in middle school and high school for the first time i probably would have but at the age it came out yeah, i, wouldn't I guess have. you're right because i think my dad actually read the first four books together oh yeah and it's harder to pick up clues when someone else is reading yeah because my dad read the first four i think the first one i read by myself was the order of the phoenix so i probably, probably would have caught it when that i was, was younger super depressing. yeah <laughs> yeah i guess as an adult i might make that connection yeah like take a bath why the fuck would you take a bath yeah so whatever harry goes back to the common room and ron and hermione are having a screaming row which is definitely the first time i think that i saw this word row which is a british word used in this way mm-hmm. harry i just i love i do love it i i love that it takes place in the common room it's like a more intimate fight than in the movies it takes place like in the entrance hall and like everyone's watching like i love that this is a moment that belongs to just ron and hermione and it's like it's a very raw, vulnerable moment. Yeah, and that's been going on before anyone got there. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So Hermione insists, like, if I'm, I'm sure he said something, like, I'm sure he walked in, there she was, and he said something shitty to her. Like, I'm sure that's what it was. He was like, oh, did you have a fucking good night with Vicky? And he just couldn't fucking help himself because he's miserable. Mm-hmm. So she insists that if Ron doesn't like her being with Victor Crumb, next time he should ask her to the ball or, like, whatever – before someone else does and not as a last resort, yeah. right? Ron says Hermione has missed the point entirely. But in an uncharacteristic moment of wisdom from Harry, he notes that Hermione had gotten the point much better than Ron had. But of course, Harry is not going to do anything about it. Hmm. I love um, Ron's reaction in that moment too, which is like so typical of being in an argument when someone really catches you like really sees you and you're trying to act tough and you you're so thrown that you can't even lie your way out of it you can't yeah you're just just like you're just extra you don't even get it like you don't even you don't even get it you don't even know me phrases that don't even mean anything yeah he's such an idiot just more proof that he was a little shit 
Yeah, this book came out in 2000, so I was still in, like, kindergarten, first grade. So there was no way I was reading this book as it came out. True. We and I young. wouldn't expect you to extrapolate anything from it if you did. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be just impressed. I'd be like, that kindergartner knows the word mulishly? Yeah, because I was, like, five when I got the first book. So the time this book came out, that's when I got the first book. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the end of the chapter. Is there, I mean... I mean, we've been on a wild ride. This is, I think, probably the longest episode we've had this whole season so far. Correction. It's the longest episode we've ever, ever, ever had that I didn't feel compelled to split into two parts. So congratulations to us. And frankly, I wouldn't have picked a better chapter to do it with. But is there anything that you guys want to touch on that we didn't talk about enough? Any themes you want to drive home? Anything you just want to like revisit real quick before we move on? I think we talked about a lot of things just to re-go over. Like, this was a pretty accurate book when it comes to feelings and the stupidity of teenagers when put in awkward situations. Mm -hmm. Especially when it's like, we're wearing things you normally don't wear. You're doing things you normally wouldn't do. And since our main characters are 14 years old, they normally wouldn't have been thrown in this situation. Like, would they still have gone to the ball? If Harry was not a champion, because would this had been just for the 17 year olds or because they're high school age? I think I think Hermione would have gone to the ball no matter what. Yeah. But I think Ron would wouldn't have gone to the ball. No, because they could invite people who are younger with them. We talked in the previous chapter about how the age was probably extended to the fourth years Mm -hmm. because of Harry. Yeah. And and we I think most people were saying that it should be fifth, sixth, seventh, or just sixth and seventh years for something like, like this. Like prom. Like prom, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's all because of Harry. <laughs> and he didn't even do it on purpose. Like it wasn't his fault for this. But I, I really do think Hermione and Crumb's thing is completely unrelated to Harry and Ron's thing yeah. in this chapter. Ron makes it his problem. Mm-hmm. Just because he's a salty son of a bitch. <laughs> yes. Son of a bitch. Mary Payton, what about you? Any like uh, anything you want to touch back on or? No, I mean I think we touched on all of it. Just like such formative years right here mm-hmm. that can really affect you negatively or positively. But luckily, we know that the the golden trio makes it through. You have to go through being this person to become like a better person. Yeah, yeah I, it gives you empathy for sure. Yes. So, Fauna, what was your favorite moment in this shit show of a chapter? Favorite moment? Yeah, you got to pick one. (sighs) Sorry. Maybe just Hermione really knowing that she is valuable and not just a sidekick. (sighs) That's a beautiful answer, and I'm crying. And I'm crying because I love women, and they deserve so much. Mm -hmm. She's not just the what people would assume, like, she... It's just, she's a little, she was a little girl. Like, she had crazy hair. She was able to do things. Like, this is the time when puberty starts to really hit. Because this is the age where I was getting my eyebrows done. I was getting my hair highlighted. I was doing this, doing that. So, I was at the same age as when she was going through this transformation of awkward hormonal teenager, preteen. And then becoming, like, that pre, like, you're a teenager, but you're not, like, full functional teenager. Because you're still right. kind of in that Junior in-between. teenager. Yeah, you're in between preteen and teen. And then 16 and 17 is when you're really a teenager. But like that moment of when all of a sudden you're getting attention. I remember when my eyebrows got done, my hair got cut, and all these different things I was doing. I went from zero attention from guys beyond friends to all the attention. So literally I have experienced that. And I think that made her feel like she isn't just the smart girl. Like she can literally 
feel like a girl that's not just brains, even though she projects that's what is most important to her, even though it's not. Right. Absolutely. Mary Payton, what about you? What was your favorite moment in this absolute shit show of a chapter? (laughs) I mean, it's all good. It's all gold. Um, I don't know about my favorite moment, but a moment that I didn't really talk about much, which was when they're sitting down to eat and Crumb and Hermione are chatting like a lot. It, it, she makes a point of talking about how they're they're chatting a lot and how Harry had never heard Crumb even speak. He's just like Sean. It's like such a cool juxtaposition to all the boys that, that think they're doing the right thing and are like trying to get these girls but they don't even, they won't talk to them. They won't look them in the eyes. They won't have conversations with them. They just like stare at the pretty things. And then Crumb, who's normally so quiet and like we we kind of figure out in this chapter really he's is a just gentleman. shy. Um, yeah, he's just shy and maybe he feels awkward. And in this moment, he is chatting with a girl who is super smart. Speaks <laughs> and, a different language. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that, honestly. Man. I think I already mentioned once in this episode that I've been really obsessed with Pride and Prejudice recently. I've been rereading and rewatching it. And Victor Crumb is a total Mr. Darcy. He's not rude. He's just shy. (laughs) Yeah. You can probably debate that a little bit. but (laughs) My favorite moment in this chapter is, I'm going to read it. You look uh, nice. He said awkwardly, that was the first and only moment that I thought Harry could pull this night off is when he tells Parvati Patil that she looks nice. She looks, uh, nice. He couldn't say, uh, amazing. He said, uh, nice. (laughs) He could have pulled that off like, uh, amazing. Awesome. Well, are we ready to move on to plugs? Yep. Everyone always just nods at me. I'm like, they said yes. She said yes. She said yes. She wants to move on to plugs. I would love to start by plugging our Patreon. This month's bonus episode will cover the movie Horns, which is one of my favorite non-Harry Potter movies that stars Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, yeah. That's a weird movie. It's a weird movie. It's based on a book written by Joe Hill, Stephen King's son, um, which is a great book, too. Oh, I didn't realize that was him because he also wrote Lock and Key and... Yep. Yep. Yeah. You should absolutely read the book if you want to, but I'm not going to make people read books for a podcast. Come on. We're fun here. We only do movies. <laughs> oh, wait. It's a book. Po- it's a book club podcast. I just remember it's a book club podcast. But Fauna, why don't you tell us where people can find you on the internet? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter, Instagram, now Facebook. And of course, with the podcast, you can find it on Spotify and Apple and a lot of major random ones all over the place. Like if you search Catstein Witchcraft Podcast, you can find like at least 10 different ones. I don't know the quality of all of those engines, but at least Apple, Google, Spotify, all the big ones that we use in the United States are accessible um, for the podcast. On Instagram, though, my handle is at Catstee and Witchcraft. On Twitter, is at Catstee and Witch. Couldn't use the full podcast. Um, and then Facebook, <laughs> I have the Facebook page and I have a Facebook group. I would recommend listening to the podcast for a couple episodes before you try to join the group because I ask specific questions to make sure it is only listeners. Yeah, and the the thing that I really like about your podcast, Fauna, is that you can, especially now that you have this lovely backlog for new listeners, you yep. can go and just listen to the things that interest Over you. Over 70 because, episodes, and yeah, each title has exactly what you need, and it's very particular topics, so you're not reading an entire book and having to, like, go through it. 
Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I recommend like sampling the podcast by picking and choosing. And then I, I think you'll be, I think you'll feel inclined to listen to the whole damn thing. So Fauna, what have you been watching, reading, listening to, et cetera, lately that you think that the listeners of our show would like? Watching, me and my boyfriend have binge watching all of Big Bang Theory all over again. Um, really? I just restarted watching um, from Peter Capaldi, uh, Doctor Who, because we have HBO Max, and I realized that they have all the Doctor Who on it so I can catch up. Because yeah. I stopped watching in 2015 because when they started taking it off of Netflix, I was like, oh no, I don't have cable and can't get BBC. But for reading, I have a list of witchy books, and then one book that is not a witchy book, and I have a story for that. So <laughs> I have right now a relatively new book, and it is on folk magic, and it's called New World Witchery, and they also have a podcast as well that has been around a while, and it is about North American folk magic. And then I have another folk magic book, which is called Roots, Branches, and Spirits. I have two books that are written by a Gardnerian high priestess witch, and her name is Thorn Mooney, and it's The Witch's Path in Traditional Wicca. And then the book that I have, I'm going to show as we're recording you guys the book, Ooh. but... It's Rick Rudin Presents! It's Rick Rudin Presents! My niece picked this out for me, and she is <laughs> five years old. That's so cute. So there's a story. Apparently they were at like this like craft fair or show or something or a book fair or something. And she specifically looked and she's like, I want to get that for her. And my mom was like, okay. And then <laughs> I got the book and I'm like, this is actually a book I would like. Like reading it between the type of writing, the type of characters, the author itself. And I'm like, she didn't even know what she was picking out. So the book is called dragon pearl so the fact that it has dragons already was perfect and she can't read yes. she can't read she's barely five years old she <laughs> it's just, just turned a cool five. cover it's a cool cover she's it, got a good intuition it has about book to covers. deal with like folklore in different mythologies from different cultures and just the fact that she picked it out so perfectly just shows the magic of children especially when they love you so yep so that's called awesome. dragon pearl and it's by yoon ha lee thank you so much i love Rick Rudin presents it's like he, they gave him his own publishing line to amplify the mythology middle grade fantasy stories of writers of color and it's just like the best thing in the world so Mary Payton where can people find you on the internet you can find me on Instagram at just do crook MP that's the best one um, or at Richmond reads also on Instagram so what have you been watching reading blah 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 lately that you think that the listeners of our show would like what I have to plug this week is not going to be like mind blowing for anyone. I've really just been so busy. I've just been like watching comfort shows, which is my favorite thing anyways. Um, but just in case people haven't seen them, I will always plug Brooklyn nine, nine. Oh, just funny, goofy. So good. Yes. Um, we have a bonus episode about that. So if you want to hear us sort the characters of Brooklyn nine, nine into Hogwarts houses, be sure to sign up for our Patreon amazing yeah i introduced that to the kids who are 13 and 15 and they at first i was like wow they're not really reacting that much to these episodes maybe they don't like it and then they ended up watching it completely by themselves on their own phones just like binge watching all of the seasons so <laughs> and then another just like kind of comfort one that's not goofy humor but like just like humor and also some drama shameless which i know i'm like way behind the times on that one but it's just super entertaining. 
because you hate most of the people in it, but also love them at the same time. The character building is really good. So highly recommended. Yeah, I second both those recommendations. I've been your host, Christina. You know where to find me. And this week I'm plugging a movie. I have been reading a lot lately, but um, this week I'm fucking plugging The Tragedy of Macbeth, which came out in 2021. It's an absolutely fucking beautiful adaptation of Macbeth. It stars Denzel Washington as Macbeth. I mean, it's just, you know, the language is Macbeth. They don't do anything creative with like the language of it, but the cinematography is mind-blowingly cool. It's shot all in black and white. It's all incredibly stark and abstract scenery. Like it, it, it's designed to look like they're on a stage, but in like a gothic black and white kind of way. It's the most dramatic thing I've ever laid eyes on cinematographically is surely the word. And it stars, oh fuck, what's his name? Harry Melling, hold on. Is his name Harry Melling? Yes, I remember his name and it's Harry Melling who plays Dudley Dursley in the Harry Potter movies. His name's Harry, by the way. He's in The Tragedy of Macbeth. (laughs) And it's a great film. So that is my plug. (laughs) In, In summary, that's my plug. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Fauna, thank you so much for joining us. It was so good to have you back. Yeah, thank you so much. And everyone should absolutely go listen to Cat's Tea and Witchcraft because there, I really think there's a little something for everyone on this show. Yep. And you don't have to be a witch. You don't have to be Wiccan. You don't have to have any particular path just to learn about yeah. some of the things because I talk about things that are also multicultural, essentially, from karma yeah. to chakras to reiki to other forms of spirituality that tend to cross over that line of the metaphysical the witch the new age and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff and i try to do it in a way that educates people about the use of what european modern witchcraft is from other cultures now things sort of meld together in just a way just so we can all live happily ever after together in these crazy multicultural things of the crazy witch world yeah, absolutely. I don't consider myself a witch or wicked yep, at you all. Don't have but to. I, I, I consider your podcast to be one of my like educational podcasts. Mm-hmm. So I, I absolutely recommend it. And Mary Payton, as always, thank you for being my trusty co-pilot. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a blast. All right, gang, I got to go finish reading Half Giant, Whole Heart, an exploration of prejudice against giants before this book tries to snog someone in the bushes. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. The Restricted section is honored to be a member of the Movie Night Crew Podcast Network, which features other excellent podcasts such as Of the Eldest Gods. Two friends question if Rick Reardon is truly their godly parent while rereading the books that changed their childhoods. From the Greeks to the Romans to the Egyptians to the Norse, Of the Eldest Gods lets them take their adult imaginations on a ride across the Percy Jackson series and beyond. If you're listening to this, you also ignored the warnings of reading the Percy Jackson books. Now that the monsters are after you, it'd be a good idea to come to Camp Half-Blood. But more importantly than that, you should listen to Of the Eldest Gods, a Rick Riordan read-along podcast. Join us as we talk about some semi-fucked up history and mythology relating to each chapter. As we reread the original Percy Jackson series again while trying to stay spoiler-free. Or so help us, Zeus may curse the pod again. Episodes out every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. The Restricted section was created by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Support us on patreon.com slash restricted section. 
For as little as a dollar a month, you can gain access to our Discord community server, which is a really happy place to be. And there are other rewards as well, such as bonus episodes and Zoom happy hour hangouts. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Restricted Section Pod, on Twitter at Restricted Pod, and on Facebook at Restricted Section Pod. Also, feel free to shoot us an email at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com to share your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or even lavish praise. Our regularly scheduled technical problem. That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network.